This episode of the 10A Podcast is sponsored by TOC Public Relations, the only PR, marketing, and strategic communication firm that specializes in working with public safety agencies, associations, and businesses. TOCPR is also the parent company of Law Enforcement Social, which provides social media, PIO, and content creation training for all public safety. Be sure to check them out at TOCPublicRelations.com and LawEnforcement.Social. This episode of the 10A Podcast is dedicated in the memory of Deputy Sheriff Bradley Stephen Henry Johnson, Captain Ralph Harlow Frazier, Deputy Sheriff William Edward Petrie, Police Officer Jacob Russell Chaffins, and Sergeant John K. Williams. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, clowns with no circus with poorly made police memes. I'm usually about the cream pies. Why am I doing this? I'm putting my ass out there every single day for what? It's a great idea. It doesn't always work out in real life. There's a lot of problems within policing right now. A lot of it's compounded by bad leadership. I miss being a cop. I love being a cop. I only ever want to be a cop. Life is fucking short, and I want to enjoy myself, and this is fucking miserable. I was tired of the circus. When you're basically just trying to survive and not get fired, bad things are going to happen. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to the 108 Podcast. Thanks for checking us out. I'm your host, 108, and today is going to be one of the best episodes we've had all year, and I'm putting it out there. And we've had some great episodes this year, but this year, or this episode, includes my good buddy, poorly made police memes. You may know him as Larry, as Lenny, Daddy, if you like it. Either way, I'm so excited. You know what? I guess I got to call him daddy. He kicked my ass in the meme war, and yeah, I had to throw that out there. Um, he beat me in my own game, man. No, it's totally cool. Uh, poorly made and I, we, we started talking a while ago, uh, over a year ago now, probably maybe like a year and a half, two years ago now when we first started talking, and um, we didn't, that was like chatting, and then uh, as we kind of talked more as like co-creators of things or we're both creators of different things. Um, you know, I look at, I look up to poorly made, um, you know, he, he is one of the gods of police memes, you know? So to, to befriend him has been great. I, I definitely respect a lot, everything he says, everything we talk about. I, I have a great deal of respect for him. And today is no different. Uh, he stepped out of the job a bit before I did. Um, but we've been able to kind of lean on each other and talk about different feelings and thoughts about leaving it and, and kind of still remaining within the culture because of the content that we create. So luckily for you guys, if you haven't already, um, go over to his podcast, check out his episode that came out this past Sunday 
and uh, it's got me and it. it's called The Calm Voice in the Dark. And I kind of tell my story. And today, part two is going to be him telling his story and kind of giving you an idea of what's going on. And we talk about a few things uh, throughout the episode. It is a longer episode if you look at the, the minute counter, so I'm not going to be chatting for too long. A couple shout-outs I wanted to say before we uh, kind of get into it. Right around the one-hour mark of the interview, we kind of dive into another podcast, one of the one of the podcasts that inspired me to make my own. It's called the Order of Man podcast, and the guest on that episode, his name is Chris Williamson. He has his own podcast called uh, Modern Wisdom, and... They talk about something in kind of an abstract, uh, objective look. And I, the way I take it is I listened to that the first time and the second time and third time, and I applied it to the career that I left in law enforcement. And I, I kind of want you guys to listen to it and think of it that way, and, and obviously Poorly Made does as well, and we discuss it. But go check out that full podcast. It's called The Order of Man Podcast, again, with Chris Williamson. Both podcasts that... that are there the order of man and the the modern wisdom podcast great stuff to listen to they have amazing guests on hopefully one day those two guys will be on my show but skipping ahead um today's episode is is great i'm really glad that poorly made and i decided to finally do this we were talking about it for a long time doing like a collaborative effort dual episode type thing and i really i'm happy with the episode and the topics that we came up with i really think there's a lot of value to it so i hope you guys enjoy it i hope you guys share it if you do enjoy it and you know hope you guys get a lot out of it at the very end of the interview i'm gonna dig into the 108 mailbag and i have a voicemail from my buddy up in connecticut talking about how he left the job at one place went to another and his thoughts with that so all that being said, guys, we got a lot to do, a lot to cover, so we're going to get right into it. The one thing I do want to say is that today's interview is brought to you by Fit Responders. If you guys are having trouble losing some weight, uh, I'm having that issue. Poorly Made talks about it. He's had that issue. It's, it happens, you know. COVID kind of caught up to us. Or if you, like me, went from being active at work to now being a sedentary kind of lifestyle, you might need some help. You might not be able to get through it on your own. No shame in that. Totally fine. I worked with a nutritionist for a long time. I know people that, you know, have personal trainers and personal coaches and all that's fine. Check out a first responder owned company, Fit Responders. They're going to be tagged in the uh, the the post. Go check them out. They're great. They, they do great stuff for law enforcement and the people that either want to get in it, are in it, or even once they're out. So once again, Fit Responders, check them out. They are a sponsor of the show, as is TOC Public Relations. You want to check them out as well. Without further ado, everyone, here's my conversation with poorly made police memes on the 10-8 podcast. Oh, shit! Get your towels ready, it's about to go down! Everybody is a place in the fucking deck! But stay on your motherfucking toes! I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, everybody look at me, cause I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat, take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat. I'm on a boat, motherfucker, take a look at me. Straight floating on a boat on the deep sea. Bussing five nights, we're whipping out my coat. You can't stop me, motherfucker, cause I'm on a boat. Picture trick, I'm on a boat. Champ, All 
right, we are back and coming to you live and coming is the operative word from the the sex dungeon that is the poorly made police memes and podcast dungeon. We have my buddy. I don't know what name you're going by today, but we're going to call me whatever you want, buddy. Okay. well, in that case, uh, we have my buddy poorly made police memes. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of his page uh, and he is here. Hopefully everybody went back well you know what we'll, we'll take a second but anyway how you doing buddy how are you i'm good man i just had some uh some munchies i'm good to go what you eat like actual the the snack munchies or do you eat something else no nah, like the actual snack munchies is is trash mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like if you get like the munchies crackers they're not as good as keebler crackers you know um i actually had some macaroni and cheese man it was okay delicious. I heated up a couple wieners. I had some uh, brought. Of course you would. Of course I would. Listen, I um I had a guy on the show earlier in the year. He wrote a cookbook. He's a dispatcher. Wrote a cookbook, and I made um something out of the cookbook. It was like a jalapeno relish. It's Mm -hmm. really good, and I really I made the bratwurst just to put the relish on something because I I can't just sit there and eat pickles, onions, and jalapenos. Um, but it was delicious and it it, amazing. And of course, I mean, I'm never going to say no to wieners. So. Well, why would I mean? Why would you, man? It's, it's June. It's twenty twenty. Fucking wieners all over the place. Pride man. it up. Pride it up. Yeah. Um. Now, did you have like craft from the box, or what'd you have? I don't. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, we just got done recording part one, and I've been sitting here drinking a beer, and I'm like, God, I'm hungry now. Because everybody, you know, everybody, you drink, you get a little bit hungry. Get so I, I go to the yep. fridge. And there's some mac and cheese in there. I don't even know where it came from. I don't know how long it's been in there. I would assume it's craft. Um, just, uh, microwaved it up and went to town, you know? How do you feel Kraft or Velveeta? Uh, I think Velveeta is too much sometimes. It's I'm, a little Kraft too creamy simple. and thick. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm usually about the cream pies, but it was just not, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's not bad. I mean, like mac and cheese is like pizza. It's really hard to fuck it up. Right. Now you you'll take, now you take that argument in the South and they'll go, no, it's very easy to fuck up mac and cheese, like the homemade with the, with the breadcrumb topping and stuff like that. I'm breadcrumbs too much, man. I don't, and I agree. I usually like, I'll eat it obviously, but that's not the star of the show. I need creamy mac and cheese. I agree. Um, yeah, but again, I'm also from the North. So my perspective on mac and cheese, I, I got a question for you. We're really off topic already. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> fucking know what we're talking about. No, we're good. We're talking about mac and cheese is what we're talking about. Do you have it at Thanksgiving? No, man. What kind of DJ needs mac and cheese at Thanksgiving? Everybody in the South. Food. Everybody in the South. We'll we'll revisit this back in or when, when it comes up in November. But, yeah, it's a thing. I don't. I don't. I do, you know, the mashed potato stuffing, stuff like that. But That's the right way. Anyway, uh, can can I, I have one more mac and cheese related topic and I don't know where else I can fit it in. Please. So we all, we're all familiar with the mac and cheese meme, right? Mm -hmm. You know, macaroni and cheese sounds. So it does sound like that, right? Like nobody's making that up. Like you're stirring some macaroni and cheese up and you get some sounds going. It, it sounds like some old, old activities. Can we agree on that? We can agree on that. Okay. So the other day I'm mixing uh, mac and cheese and i made sure my wife could hear it and i'm just like fucking going to town making it like as loud and gross sounding as possible and she's like fucking like crying laughing and my kids are just like what's so funny and i'm like someday you'll understand <laughs> yeah nice that's my it's always good to in, uh, incorporate adult humor in you know uh, appropriately appropriately like you ever see the uh the cat in the hat movie it's been a long time With mike myers like that that movie was hilarious as a kid it's hilarious as an adult like you know he literally picks up 
a garden instrument and goes, you dirty hoe, and throws it down. Like, that should not be in a kid's movie. But it was. It was hysterical then. It's hysterical now. You should always... That, that movie is great for memes, too, though. So is. many great memes came out of that movie. It is, yep. It's, uh, it's, it, I mean, you know what, for what it is, it's actually really good. And, uh, I'm kind of upset. There was once a plan that they were going to do live action of all the, uh, Dr. Seuss movies and they kind of stopped, I think, cause one of them sucked. Probably that one, actually. I know that one didn't do as well as it was going to, cause they were going to do Cat in the Hat Comes Back and all that stuff. But I like the, uh, Lorax. I thought that one was really good. That was good. And of course, Horton Hears the Who. That was a good one. Oh yeah. That wasn't too bad either. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're not here to talk about mac and cheese or Dr. Seuss or anything like that. Uh, we're going to talk about life and, and the things. Now, listen, if everybody hasn't, uh, I know I've been kind of vocal about it on Facebook or Instagram, but uh, go check out part one of this conversation. It was on Poorly Made's podcast earlier in the week, right? Yeah. And um, yeah. you'll kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. Basically, I haven't been coy about it. He hasn't been coy about it talking about basically life after the badge uh the job and and all that stuff so what i want to start talking about is um you've been out for a little over a year now right yep so go ahead and as uh, to the extent of your comfortableness i guess tell us like what brought you to that decision and then how has your life been in the past year so what brought me to that decision was kind of a, a culmination of a lot of things. You know, you have all the crazy defund shit. You have, you know, you can't arrest somebody without them walking out three seconds later. So it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. And then, you know, you don't have the support of your, your brass. And that, it just didn't feel right. I didn't, I mean, I could, I could talk your ear off for days about the reasons I left. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, it kind of made me crazy because I'm like, why am I doing this? And what, what good is coming out of this? I'm putting my ass out there every single day for what? For admin that would throw me under the bus in a fucking heartbeat. For citizens that would fucking throw me out of, you know, under the bus in a heartbeat. Why? Why am I doing this to myself? You know, the area I was a cop wasn't a great place to raise a kid anymore. I said, fuck it. This is stupid. Why am I here? I miss being a cop. I love being a cop. You know, I make fun of people a lot about making a cop be in their identity, but that was me, man. I was that guy. So I, I love the job. I love a lot of stuff about the job. And so it was kind of painful to leave. It was like, it's like a bad breakup. You know what I mean? And so I left uh, like May last year and my life since then has been really fucking weird. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I moved, I, I born and raised in Colorado, lived there pretty much all my life. And then, uh, I picked up and moved and, you know, we kind of threw, uh, what's the word Threw kind of dart at the board and ended up in Iowa. And I, I love it out here. Um, great people out here. There's not trash on the side of the road. There's not gunshots at night when I'm running. And if I do, let's be honest, I don't run that much anymore, but (laughs) I I was going to say, really? It's been a while, buddy. We're working on it though. I ordered a, uh, I got a, uh, a row machine in though. Okay. Got to set that. I'm, I'm ready to stop being fat. That, that's the thing. But that's a topic for another day. But you know, if I do hear gunshots, I know they're hunting. You know, they're not hunting me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a nice change of of lifestyle. It's just, I think it's a better place for my kids to grow up. But I still kind of have that that 
that hole, I guess, as far as like policing. And, and to be honest, I don't feel like I've left in the mm-hmm. sense of the emotions with it because I'm so connected still. Where right, like you're I still connected, yeah. Yeah, I, I talk to guys. I know shit that's going on. I know shit that's going on in my department. I know shit that's going on in the country. So I never, I don't think I've, I fully disconnected from it because it's still such a big part of my life. But yeah, so we moved out here and uh, been basically, you know, kind of a stay at home dad. But then I've been kind of doing, you know, these podcasts on the side and trying to, you know, what's the word I want to use? How do I want to articulate this? Um, I guess just try my hand at, you know, the, the social media stuff and see where it takes me. Right. And so when, when you say like you miss the job, what is it you miss about it? Uh, what do I miss about it? I miss being a cop, man. I know that's cliche, but like, I like answering calls, man. Um, I like being out there. I, I like the service aspect of the, of the job because you don't really get, I mean, you get like a lot of jobs or customer service kind of jobs and so you're serving in a sense but not like that you know like you're actually going out and hopefully doing something good as cliche as it is like maybe making somebody's day better and then really the thing we all want to do is put shit bags in jail mm-hmm. i miss that i miss <clears throat> being able to be a change you know what i mean and that change could be taking a shit bag to jail that mm-hmm. change you know could be removing somebody from a dangerous situation stopping somebody from doing something fr- crazy talking somebody down there's just so much to that um and i like investigating i like writing reports there's there's nothing else like it like there's mm-hmm. no job on earth like being a cop sure you can do and we've kind of talked about this in part 1 but you can kind of do different things different aspects of it but i feel like you're right you don't get the whole you know the whole boat with it um something that when i made the change uh, from dis from the road to dispatch, and I- I've talked about it in therapy. I don't think I've really talked about it on here. Was you know I-, I missed my buddies. I missed running and gunning with them. I missed you know the calls we would get into, and the the shit we would get into. And I love telling the stories because it brings me back to that time. And the way my my therapist said it, kind of where I came up with the name for the episode is I miss the clowns, not the circus. I miss those stories. I miss that adventure but would i ever really live that again and i mean maybe i would you know and and i was in a weird situation where i joined a new agency and i i signed up as a cop and uh a month into it i was like nah it's not it's not where i want to be anymore and i made the switch but i was already doing that i was already making the switch from place one to place two you flat out were in place one and that made you go to place two when you said I'm done. Right. It wasn't like, it wasn't like you were already planning to move and then, you know, you just decided not to pick it up where you moved to. Right. No, my, basically I got to a point and I'll I'll never forget that weekend where my cup was just full. I was just tired of the bullshit. I just, I, I couldn't make myself do it anymore. I was like, this is stupid. I'm, I'm putting my, my mental health at risk. And, you know, some people, you know, take that as they may but life is fucking short and i want to enjoy myself mm-hmm. and this is fucking miserable um and i was just done i was just tired of all the bullshit like you said i was i was tired of the circus so were you yeah, man. was this a, a decision that you had been contemplating for a while or was it something that in that weekend or whatever it was hit a fever pitch and you're like no it was instant you know i think it'd been something i'd been kind of throwing around like and i would mentioned it to my wife i was like this sucks this is bullshit 
um, we should look at leaving. And we talked about it kind of here and there. And I said, you know, we could, we could do this or that, you know, we have kind of some options we could look at, you know, I could look at, you know, laddering, lateraling out of state. Cause you know, in my state, you know, the real estate, everything's so fucking crazy. And I, I personally think that the governor is after cops. And I was like, it doesn't matter where you go. If something happens, he doesn't like, he's going to fucking come after you. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what? Why, 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 why stay in state? Even if it's at a better department, it just got to a point that weekend where I kind of brought these plans to my wife and we kind of half-assed talked about them, but maybe we weren't actually going to do it. And we just sat down that weekend and I was like, Hey, look, like this isn't working for me. Like I'm not happy. And I think this is important too, for anybody that's thinking about leaving. If my wife was like, I really like it here. I, I want the kids to be here. I want to be close to the family. I would have made it work because I think it's important that, you know, I don't buy into this shit where like one part of a relationship makes all the decisions. Um, it had to be an equal thing. That's such a big fucking thing to do. And she's like, Hey, look, you're not happy. I'm on board with this. I want to be happy. I want you to be happy. Yeah. Let's go do this. Let's go try something new. And when it came time to make that phone call, I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to go to work. Fuck this. This is crazy. She's like, no, you're done. You've been talking like this for like the last three months. You're miserable. Let's go do something else. And so that was, that was kind of it. Yeah. So there, there's a couple of things I want to run with, with that. Um, when I, when I made my choice, um, we, we were talking in part one, how it was kind of, obviously I had a lot of traumatic experiences lead up to the one. Um, but when, when Jason got shot that night, I texted my sister and I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like even that moment, like I, I didn't, but I knew that that was an emotional response. Obviously, like I was angry. I was upset. And, uh, I remember, contacting a therapist through EAP and they're like, well, you know, and I even told her, I told my girlfriend, I told my sister, I'm like, all right, I'm not making any decision right now. I'm too emotional. I'm going to sleep on it for a while and whatever. And and immediately I was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I just need to kind of get over the hump and get over my emotions. And uh, little did I know I was just compressing the emotions. But um, what I did notice is, leading up to that before the incident and everything um, I had seen guys that I had worked with um, either directly at my agency or nearby who had left a job and I was paying attention to what they were doing and they all seemed happy in one way or another. Like they weren't like pining for coming back. Like they, they had no, you know, no missing piece, at least publicly, at least what I could see on whatever they would post on Facebook. Um, This one guy, he was, wasn't my training officer, but he was a training officer. He left and there were some uh, rumors of kind of nefarious activities upon him leaving, but it was kind of in the dark, right? It was a, you know, just basically office scuttlebutt at that point. Um, But the, the idea was that he, I knew he had a drinking problem. We all knew that that was kind of general knowledge, but they had said that um, it turned into narcotics and whatever, and that he left because of activity regarding that. Now, from what I've talked to him about and what I've observed, I don't believe that at all. Um, but he's he's good now, you know, like taking off the, the vest and, and the uniform, it, it freed his body from the pain he was having that was causing him to drink and everything. So anyway, looking at all that, I saw that they were happy and everything. And I was like, shit, what if what if this isn't it? You know, and, and I just kind of ignored it. And um, did anything like that 
impact your decision or was it purely what you were feeling and your wife's response to it? No, I don't think so. I mean, I would say I definitely was affected by some people leaving. One of the best cops I knew, a guy I affectionately referred to as the Dark Lord, he left. Um, once some of these changes in Colorado happened, he's like, this is stupid. I ain't doing this anymore. And he fucking left. And he was not too far away from retiring, man. He could have, he could have toughed it out. And he, to me, I looked at that and I was like, all right, that's, that's something to look at. Now I, I couldn't mm-hmm. speak to his happiness or anything like that. Like I didn't follow him around. Um, you know, I had friends leave and go out of state, um, just to get away from the fucking wildness of Colorado. And I would say that type of stuff did have an effect on me. Cause I was kind of starting to see, all right, these are some really good cops and they're making this decision to take, get out of here, which my department not that long ago was one of the, was a people wanted to work there. Right. A very like, mm-hmm. it's been kind of a crazy turn for this department. And so I looked at that stuff and it was definitely concerning to me that these kind of folks left and it, I wouldn't say it was like the only reason, but it was definitely something in the back of my mind. Yeah. I, I feel like, it, it has to play something on you. I, when I left, when I left my agency, my first agency, they, they were in a bad way. Even, even before the incident and everything that kind of followed with it, they were losing people. The money wasn't there, which as of uh, this week, they're now the highest paid agency in that County. Good for them, I guess. I mean, good for the guys that still are there, but I, I saw writing on the wall and I even said to, I said to Jason and everything, I'm like, listen, you know that scene in the Titanic where everyone's jumping off the lifeboats and they're going, but then the band's still playing? I'm like, y'all are in the band. Like, this ship is sinking. Find a lifeboat. Like, what are you doing? That's how it felt. Definitely how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there was – and the question comes down to why do people stay, right? Like, I know um, I get that question a lot. Like, the people that really – reach out to me about me leaving and you know i'm like dude like they tell me they're unhappy and they're like but i can't leave and the question is why do people stay and there there are people there are pages there are influencers who are in the cop community and they will say just leave and i feel like it's not that easy you even said you said that if your wife wasn't on board you would have made it work and i said in part one that if my girlfriend wasn't on board with it i would have made it work it's not that easy. No, it's not. And, it, you know, I've made kind of some comments about how, like, it's kind of stupid to stay. But then I also – I say that in jest, but I, I also get it. Like, life's pretty fucking fluid, right? So if you're in a situation where, all right, you put a lot of eggs in one basket, which is, like, the first thing they tell you in the police academy, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, a lot of us do. I fucking did. A lot of us are guilty of it. That's – for a lot of us, up until that point, that's the – only and i that's that's something we can talk about later is that's the only thing i I ever wanted in my life i only ever wanted to be a cop Mm -hmm. that's always how i saw my life going i never anticipated leaving that department i plan on leaving that department retiring from that department i was very happy and honored to get hired on there and it was a complete you know 180 from the time i got hired but guys have mortgages Guys have bills. Mm-hmm. It You can't just up and fucking leave. And there's also the hope it gets better, right? Because right? it can. Uh, a department can change. Right, because you want to go back to uh, – you, you want to go back to when you got hired, when you did feel pride and you were happy to be there. 
and you there's a part in your brain going no 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 this will pass it's fine it's just a like you said a bad chief it's something like that you know and I, I I mean I've said it too and I've said like you can't make career decisions based on who's the chief or who's the mayor or stuff like that which is fair like I would never tell someone go work for Polk County because Grady Judd is the sheriff because I know he's going to retire eventually you know what I mean like yeah he's great on camera and he makes a lot of fun statements and everything that's no way to base your career and your life decisions. You know what I mean? Like no matter how much I like or respect the guy and that could go for any leader in any law enforcement agency. I just picked him cause he's a no name, but you're right. People have bills. People have responsibilities that if your partner or, you know, if you, if you live alone, maybe it's a little bit easier, but you still have something to pay for. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you have more things to answer for than just yourself. Yeah. Now. And that's, that kind of goes into what we we talked about in part one as far as you can only take care, you know, you can't take care of others until you can't take care of yourself. I think that's, it's a great idea and like thought, but it doesn't always work out in real life. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes mm-hmm. you don't have that choice to, well, I, I'm not, I can't take care of myself right now. So I can't take care. Of it. Like for me, you know, this is kind of a bad analogy. I don't know, but I have four kids, man. I can't be like, sorry guys, today's a me day. Fuck you guys. Fuck them kids, right? I have mm-hmm. obligations and responsibilities to them. Now, long-term stuff, I have to be my best to give them their best, you know, chance at life, right? Like that's – if you have kids, you got to – like that's your fucking job is your kids. You have to realize mm-hmm. that. And it's it's fucking a hard job sometimes, trust me. But that's your job is your kids. So I you can't lose sight of that. So if you're in a position where, hey, look, this chief sucks. I really hate it. Maybe you have to change the way you do business until things change to survive but it's just right right i I was gonna say though but there's just to me i don't get sometimes why people stay even with all that said because you're putting your livelihood you're putting your your life you know not in the sense of like you're gonna get shot and killed but you know you're gonna go do something that you were trained to do and you're gonna do it right and then some monday morning quarterback's gonna see it wrong and you're gonna be fucking plastered on the news and you're gonna be going to court right right it's not how many, how many times right. do we – no, you're good. How many times do we see cops do the right job or right right thing? They get vilified, uh, maybe not to the point of getting arrested, but they just get plastered on the news. Um, months later, the review comes out and find out that they're not going to get indicted. They didn't do anything wrong. Well, guess what? Their job and their life is already gone. Yeah. I don't know. To me, this is when you start getting bad cops, right? The people that are they're – purely for the money mm-hmm. because then that takes you know and i don't think we're going to have that debate today but that just kind of puts things in, into this other dimension where now guys aren't worried about necessarily going out and you know stopping crime or doing the right thing they're just living paycheck to paycheck trying to survive and when you're basically just trying to survive and not get fired bad things are going to happen right you're either gonna you're, you're gonna cut corners you're not going to do the job that you were sworn to do uh things are going to go the wrong way one way or another um that's how you're going to get lazy cops that's how you're going to get unresponsive cops you say you're going to get you're going to get the bare minimum at the at the at the most you're going to get the bare minimum and then you're going to get like you said the corrupt or the dirty or the bad and you know you lower your standards low enough and then the top of your class is is you know the best loser you know what i mean like it, it just it's a very dangerous spiral you get to yeah the 
there's a lot of problems within policing right now. There, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, a lot of it's, I mean, let's be honest, man. A lot of it's compounded by bad leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure that me and you could talk about guys that did fucking stupid shit and skated because they were the boys. Right now, do I think there's like super dirty shit that's happening? No, it's just dumb shit that anybody else would have got a day for. Right. But because they're, you know, whatever, they're not getting the day where other people are getting the day for really stupid stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, for me, you know, if you're going to talk corruption, the, that's a lot of these fucking police chiefs and sheriffs and stuff are pretty fucking corrupt, if you ask me. But I, I, I'm not I, I'm not a cab. I think I'm starting to sound a little like a cab here. But I think a lot of the line guys get the bad, you know, the bad rap. Like, oh, we have these problems in policing. And no, the problems in policing are from brass that taught guys how to do shit. And then when it's time to go do it, the brass will fucking, no, we didn't teach them how to do that. It's bullshit. Uh, We're going to get them. Mm -hmm. To me, that's fucking corruption. Sure. You're selling your guys out. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're kind of being a little critical here, but I think it's you and I, and, and we're not, alone in this but when you get out after being in and not just being in for like a day or a month or you know whatever for being in for a substantial amount of time doing the job doing some work and then getting out i feel like we now have a new perspective and we have a pretty i wouldn't say hindsight 2020 but we have a good view at what we left and especially you and i in the platforms that we currently have uh we see it more broadly like we're not just pinhold to the agency that we worked for we see it from multiple different angles from multiple different agencies and states and and so on and even countries at this point so we get these perspectives and because we know how it's done and not only that but we know how we did it now being aside from all that being on the outside looking in i think that gives us this perspective and it it does get critical and i know i've been kind of super critical at times about the job and the way we do the job and the way people act while they're on the job but I don't think that makes us a cab. I don't think that makes us cop haters or cop blockers. I think it's it people like you and I, I think it's really way rare. Sorry. Raising awareness to the people that are there to be like, Hey, this is what we see work on it. Yeah. I, I think there's an element to that too. I mean, I think it just kind of comes down to the end of the day. Like I, I'm a firm believer, you know, like most Cops are just there to do a good job. They're good people. They want to do the right things. Um, so I, I, I think what I said before maybe came off a little more critical. But for me, it's just uh, I think it's kind of a it's a society problem, right? Where we look at like we're like, God, that guy's lazy, man. He fucking milks his fucking calls. Everybody else has to go to the paper in his beat. But it's not just a law enforcement thing now, right? That's everywhere in society people are cutting corners and doing lazy shit but it just because of the magnifying glass on law enforcement it looks a whole lot worse because when a cop fucks up that it's the end of the world right like it doesn't matter what else is going on in the country man if a cop like you know doesn't fucking type his affidavit you know he uses the wrong there it's going to be on cnn Mm -hmm. anymore you know um so uh, there are definitely problems i think within the profession but i think to me, it's kind of about self-accountability, and a lot of people say it in a lot of different ways, but it's pretty simple to me. Just don't be a piece of shit. Work hard. Do the right things. Follow policy. Follow the law, and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. Right. Yeah, and I, I think we kind of – I remember when I was in the academy, the big thing was um, I'd rather be – was it judged by 12 than carried by 6? 
And I think it, there's almost a scare tactic now where it's like, well, maybe. Like, we're seeing, like, good cops do good work uh, in shitty situations, and they're being tried, and and it, it gets it gets kind of dicey, you know? And um, all these things that we're talking about, you know, we're talking about leaving the job. These are all things that go through your mind when you're leaving the job and when you've left the job. It's like, this is what it comes to be a, a trading and a barter, bartering type thing. It's like, this is what I'm willing to give up to gain peace of mind. I, I'm glad that you brought up the uh, the uh, judged by 12 and not carried by 6. I was thinking about that the other day when I was driving, and I thought, God, that ended up being such a crock of shit, didn't mm-hmm. it? Because, uh, you know, I do remember that in the Academy. I remember that very fuck. hey, man, do the right thing, and you're going to be okay, which – but now that whole that whole saying has kind of gone to trash because they will fucking try you just to fucking make a name for themselves with no care about – you know, the cops livelihood or their life, even if they did the right thing. So uh, now I am obviously not advocating, like you got to make the right choice. Right. Or if it's, if it's you or him, it's right. We're not talking rogue punisher cops out here. No, no. But I'm just saying that, I don't know. And then honestly, man, I think all of this crazy critical Monday morning quarterback of cops um, has made people hesitate. I, that that was something I, I mentioned on prior podcasts and I've talked to a bunch of people about is I felt when I was leaving, I felt that there were situations where I would take fire first just to have the peace of mind to know that I would probably not get criminally charged. Like I would almost rather die than have my name and my family drugged through the mud because I defended myself. And I, I hope no one's going out there with that mindset. I know it was in my head, but I hope that no one is out there going in that mindset and they shouldn't be. And if you're out there in that mindset, your family needs you mm-hmm. fucking leave. Right. There was a time um, during all the protests and everything. Uh, I responded as backup to a shoplifting. Um, my buddy got called out that he was out with like five people that just fled a uh, gift store and um, I go out there, you know, I was on surveillance and luckily my surveillance had gotten blown. So it was a good excuse for me to leave the area anyway. And um, I go there and he's out with five and they're, they're young black juveniles, right? Like they're young. I couldn't, I, honestly, at the moment that I was there, a couple of them seemed like they were like late teens, early twenties, but they are turned out to be like 15. And um he tells the one, Hey, you're under arrest. She goes, fuck you. I'm not, I'm not under arrest and walks away. And I was like, are we just letting her walk away? Like she walked right by him and I see her walking away. A cop car comes up. She like doubles back. She's not running. She's literally just walking. So she comes by me and I, I, I wrap her up and she like, she's tiny. She wiggles out from, from my grasp and she pulls away and she like kind of squares up. So I, I grab the taser and I point it right at her and I'm like, in my head, there were two thoughts in my head that moment. One, I'm good all day. Like this is, this is, this matches my policy. This matches law. Like we're good to go. The other thought I had at the same time was, cause I, I before I, I wrapped her, I saw people were coming out of their houses nearby and started to film it and everything. I was like, this is a young black female. I'm a, you know, decent sized white guy. I'm about to tase this girl very closely, this is not going to look good. I'm going to be the next Black Lives Matter video. 
So I holstered my taser and, and the rest is whatever. The moment I had that hesitation and I went back and I was like replaying that incident, I realized that that's not a good place to be at. And I went back and, and when I'm writing my report and everything and I reviewed my body camera, not only did she pull away and square up to me, but her fists were both balled. I would have been good all day pulling the trigger on the taser or doing whatever. I mean, we ended up, you know, taking her down and, and whatever, but the moment you start hesitating, anything you're doing, especially a use of force, especially a good use of force, that's where you have to go. All right. What am I gambling here? I'm gambling my life versus public optics. And that is a scary place to be. Yeah. It, and here's the thing is if you half-ass a technique, you half-ass a technique and that gives the likely or that the, then there's a higher likelihood that they're going to escape or they're going to do whatever. So how often, let's be honest, you guys, whoever's listening, think about that. Have you half-assed something because you didn't want it to look bad? Mm -hmm. I remember I did half-ass something because, and it was dangerous too, but I didn't want it to look bad because that's the fucking way things were and everything ended up fine. No one got hurt. And I got yelled at because I, I half-assed the technique. And I said, you're fucking goddamn right I did. Because you guys have been telling me not to use force on people. So I tried not to use force. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and so you have these bad administrators that are giving these fucking mixed messages. And, you know, when we had this new law come out, and it sounds like things are maybe clarified now, but we had no direction. And I remember a mental health call where the guy is like, saying he's the sun king or something and he's jiggling people's door handles he doesn't know where he is he's doing all this crazy shit this dude is clearly a danger to himself or others right mm -hmm. we followed this guy around for a fucking mile because we didn't want to touch him mm -hmm. it just it, to a point it just gets ridiculous like i'm all good with trying to talk people out of it but here's the thing people don't fucking recognize you can't talk everyone out of everything right. every time it's not going to work and to be honest, using force can de-escalate to a point where you're not going to use a greater force because you latch onto somebody and do things right the first time. Yep. Um, I, I I don't know if I mentioned it in part one, but I've messaged it in previous episodes, but I was in an uh, OIS class and um, that's what they talked about was de-escalation. And, and at one point, is de-escalation not working and when do we try something else? And I feel like the modern area of cops and, and it's weird saying that cause I've, I've only been on for so many years, but, um, or I was on for so many years, but you know, deescalation is the only thing they teach, right? I mean, they teach everything, but they, they harp on the deescalation and it's like, how many sir stop, sir stop resisting. Like, you know, how many of those until we realize that that's not working, we need to, you know, reach out and touch somebody within reason. Of course, I'm not saying like, you know, everybody who's, uh, just walking away from you or not doing needs, you know, an elbow to the face. There's, there's obviously there's proper guidelines and proper ways to do things, but you're right. Sometimes using force is the de-escalation that works, you know, uh, verbal commands is a step in the continuum, but it's not the only thing you've got. And, and we need to realize that, you know, I think we get stuck in that, the loop, of just, sir, stop, sir, stop resisting. And it's like, all right, when are we going to do something else? You know, and, and then another layer to this I was thinking about is something will happen within your department and some goofball in your department will do something stupid with a taser, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so rather than address that stupidity, 
they will create a new policy that prevents you from using the taser even more or whatever tool it is because somebody did something stupid one time. Instead of addressing the idiot, yep. you take a tool away from everybody else. And that's kind of the way law enforcement has gone downhill is instead of it being within the department now is if some idiot does something somewhere else in outer space, the cop in Mars, the cop, you know, Elon Musk, Mars cop <laughs> does something stupid. They're going to fucking beam the policy down the earth and say, hey, you no longer can stop Martians and use this level of force because they don't respond. It's just yep. – it's so fucking stupid at this point, and it, it's honestly so convoluted that I, I don't know why we're addressing things that have nothing to do with anything else as being for the common good of policing. Mm-hmm. Right. Address the issue. It's like It's like anything in life is – you know, if your kid fucks up, are you going to address the issue with your kid? Or are you going to tell every other kid, hey, you know, he stayed up way way late so no one else can stay up late because of him? Like, I wish we could just think logically as a society yep. about that. Yeah, and and I've, I've had different people on in different episodes this year where they say, like, you know, we'll give or we'll, we'll you know, we'll give up certain things, but we never ask for anything back. Like, we'll give up um, – you know, certain types of restraints or certain types of techniques. Um, but we're never willing to, or we'll take on more, right? Like, well, yeah, no, we'll respond to mental health calls. Um, that, you know, certain things we respond to are not police things and we respond to them. We act a certain way or we react a certain way. And now suddenly, uh, you know, policies get made or, 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 uh, taken away and things like that. You're absolutely right. I think, logic doesn't even exist sometimes i think we're too busy appeasing the greater good or not even the greater good just the greater populace uh than addressing the issue at hand like look at carotid look at carotid is yep, a perfect yep. example mm-hmm. of that carotid i always looked at carotid honestly as a tool that i would probably use at a near deadly force or deadly force situation because let's be honest unless you put in the time there there is a chance that you could fuck that up right so I let's be fair. If you're not doing, if you're not practicing that on a regular basis, you're only practicing it once a year at in service. Maybe you're not the best person to be using that frequently on the street because you're not putting your time in. However, it's a good tool in the toolbox that, man, this guy is going to fucking kill me. Maybe I can try the carotid instead of shooting him. Mm-hmm. But now that's off the table. And, and why? Why is that? Because one person screwed up, or one person you know was was vilified, and now it's off the table. Now. Um, a lot, uh, I think both of my agencies had in their use of force policy, especially their deadly force policy, um, that, you know, if you reach the point of deadly force, then you can use, um, approved and or, um, approved and or improvised weapons. So there was some leeway with that, but you still run the risk of if anything goes wrong or if anything doesn't look right, Hey, that's not, you know, he wasn't trained on that properly or something. There's still a way to, to jam you up. And I think that's where a lot of cops start getting nervous about things. I think the way the law in Colorado is written, unless it was changed, but my interpretation was you could not use a chokehold of any kind, no matter what, Mm. even in a deadly force situation. So you could be at deadly force where, I don't know, maybe there is a situation where you can't get to your gun or you don't have a gun or, or whatever's going on. Potentially if you choke that guy to, to save your life, you probably you might go to jail for it. 
it's just because there's no nobody thinks these things out. I mean, was it New York where you can't put any pressure on um, on your lungs or on the chest or something? Mm-hmm. How do you arrest somebody yeah. that's resisting? Right. You can't you can't take them to the ground anymore and and be on them at all. Like it's it's impossible right. in some of these places. I remember um, it was a it was it was it was just after George Floyd. I was involved in a takedown team during a prostitution op and um the prostitute uh ran from me it was it was terrible it was, it was bad she slipped the cuff she ran as i was grabbing a pen i chase her down get her down and i'm i'm on her you know she's not not in the way that i had to pay for but um she was in the, <laughs> she was in the uh we were in the median of the road and you know i think i think the bjj guys would call that rear guard is what i was on but i was I was always taught in all the different DT and martial arts trainings I've ever had, wherever you send the head, the body will follow. Right. So I pinned her head down because she was trying to buck and that was it. And as I'm doing that and trying to access my, my handcuffs to cuff her up, I realized that my hand, because she's moving has now moved to her neck, top of her shoulder area. And I was like, fuck, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is not a good position to be in, especially immediately after George Floyd. And it's like, again, we go back to the second guessing or the, the questioning of, of what we're doing to end the situation. And that was, that was nowhere near deadly force. You know what I mean? But that's just where it evolved to, to being uh, just taking hold of a situation. And it, it's just a, I, and I know because I've talked to cops, they get in these situations all the time. And they're like, man, I had to, I had to back off completely because it was going way too South, way too quickly. Yeah, and I think there's definitely like root. Here's the here's the thing that there's always room for improvement, mm-hmm, right? Sure, we could always learn to do things more efficiently. But learning to do things efficiently or differently or different tactics is is out the window right now because it's just like we're gonna take this away and figure it out, right? What are, what are you fucking supposed to do? Right, you're left def- defenseless, basically. Yeah, there's kind of the old adage that you know admin can't put everything in policy nor would you want them but there i think there's been a whole lot of letdown where you know there's this big like why is crime up and then because you you don't let cops arrest people okay well let's go out and arrest people okay how how do you want us to arrest people because we can't do this anymore we can't do that anymore and there's i I think there's a lot of brass that are just kind of leaving cops to figure it out for themselves and they're they're look you're a fucking leader you need to say man up or gal up or whatever the fuck you do (laughs) they up and do tell your troops what you need them to do. Show them the way you can't just expect them to fucking figure it out when they're this fucking the wild west of policing right now, because I don't think anybody knows what's going on right mm-hmm. now. And I've been out for a year, so I don't know. Things might be changing. Maybe things are getting better. Policies are getting cleared up and guys are given a little more guidance what they can and cannot do. But I just felt at least when I was leaving, there was no guidance. It was just like, well, this is what we think. Um, good luck. Figure it out. That's not fucking good enough. No, not at all. So you you have been out a, a year, and, and that's going to lead to another question in a minute. But the first thing I want to know, and, and we kind of went off in, into a little in the, in the weeds talking about the state of policing, but I think that plays a big part into why people leave, why people make that decision, because it's, it's your livelihood, you know? It's your livelihood and your life. But my question now is, since you've been out, how would you rate or how would you describe your quality of life since being out? I would 
I don't want to say it's bad by any means. I mean, I think there's things that are definitely better, but it's been a huge adjustment for me. I would say that my situation is probably a little more unique, though, where I think a lot of people, they get out and then they're out, right? Where I feel like because I'm still kind of involved and I still hear the things that go on, I think I would say my blood pressure is a little elevated still from all the bullshit. Um, But that's my own fault because I expose myself to that. But besides that, though, I mean, like, it is kind of nice to wake up in the morning and not worry about like, well, I'm going to go to jail today for doing what I'm supposed to do. Or, you know, I'm going to get thrown under the bus today from, you know, some new sergeant that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's nice to kind of have that. I mean, I I had a a very um, problematic police department that I worked for with a lot of shitty leadership. There are some good people there for sure, but it it was a bad place. So I I would say generally overall, I am happier, but I, I think to be dead honest and completely transparent. I think if I had basically kind of shut down completely from the police life, got a different job and wasn't doing what I do now, I maybe I am a little bit happier. I don't know. Now I, I get, I get people come to you and, and you know, you kind of immerse yourself in police world still as do I, uh, I mean, I still work for a law enforcement agency, but um, obviously the social media thing, we're kind of, it's bad because we, we kind of they tell us you know to to separate from it in, when you're off duty and stuff and here we are it's kind of around the clock um oh yeah it's 24 7 yeah or the major teams 24 7 hour job yeah yeah but is there a part of you that goes that's not my problem like like you you to a, there's a level that you empathize of course and when people hit me up with DMs of, you know, saying that they're struggling or whatever, obviously I empathize and I do what I can to help them that I can. But is there a point of you going, that sucks, I'll help you if I can, but it's not my problem? No, no. I, I mean, I just, because it still kind of does feel like my problem. You know what I mean? Even though I, I can't do anything for these folks, um, you know, I'm just like a guy that makes memes and a shitty podcast, but it still bugs me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, sometimes it bugs me that, you know, I have a lot of good friends that are still at my old apartment and I feel bad for leaving because they're short staffed and people should say, well, you don't care. You shouldn't care. That's not your problem. I don't know. I left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the, these guys and gals are going through a bunch of shit and I'm not there with them. Right. So there is some guilt for that for sure. So I went, I went back home or over there and uh, played some golf with some buddies that are on the department there and you know we got probably halfway through and we start talking and uh we're talking about the department and where it's at and there was some bitching going on of course but they start talking about individual calls and the people that work these calls and things that piss them off and everything and i try to empathize and i try to like stay tuned in but I don't know, maybe it's the turnover rate that, that made it a little hard to still connect because there's so many new people that I don't know. Um, and so it's been less than a year for me, but I was like, still kind of checked out. I was like, I was like, man, that sucks. And like, you know, I, I kind of offered a little bit of uh, empathy and stuff. And I was, But then as I was starting to get concerned, I was like, you know what? NMP, not my problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like I chose to leave. Um, it sucks that these people that I care about are going through bad times, but 
but like you said, there's nothing I can do about it. And I, I guess I kind of walked, you know, mentally walked away from the conversation at that point because there's nothing I could do. Now, when people hit me up in the DMs, you know, from all over the country, there's literally nothing I can do for them. But I will listen to them. I will offer a little bit of guidance that I can because I don't know their, you know, the ins and outs of their situation. But I'll say that sucks say whatever, but there are stories and there are instances that get me and I'm like, I need to help. You know, I do feel that what you're saying, like I get immersed in it, but I feel like for me, it's so much easier to kind of be like, man, that sucks. I'm here. If you need some, you know, to vent or whatever, but it's easier for me to kind of disconnect from it. Yeah. I mean, I, it might just be like a difference in personalities. Mm -hmm. I, I just, Personally, I just don't feel very disconnected from it. I feel like I'm still very much a part of it. And I mean, like, I I still want to be part of it, you know, where I made – I don't want to say I made a rush decision. Like, if, if if I had a time machine and I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't. I would have left again. Um, you know, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback and say, well, you know, I really wish I would have looked more into lateraling or, or whatever. You know, maybe I should have tried to take some time off and – cooled my head or, or whatever, but, um, I would do it again. Hindsight is definitely 2020. So, you know, maybe I would do those things and, and lateral, but now, you know, I'm at a point where it's all I, I built my life towards, you right. know, which is, I know a lot of people disagree with that and it's just a job. Hey, that's, that's your decision to make what you think. I personally, you know, I am a firm believer in the calling. So I, I have that itch. Like I, I don't, I feel like it's just, it's something I have to do mm -hmm. right or wrong. Um, it's just something like, I just, I feel that connection. It's been part of my life for so long that I just, I want to get back to it some way or somehow. What, how old were you when you got into the job? How old was I? I was kind of a late, I was late when I started. I was 27, I think. Okay. So we, we were about the same. I think I was 25, I think when I got hired, but, um, what did you do leading up to that? Um, so really my main job uh, I worked at mall security and I got into the point where I was doing like the management side of it. So I was running security. Um, I worked at two different malls and I ran security and it was, it was, it was a good gig. Like I, I started working security before I was old enough to go to the police academy. And I just kind of, I found it to be, I don't know, easy. I liked it. I made some friends there. And so I just kind of went with it. And then one day I woke up and I said, Hey, this isn't, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I, I started, you know, doing the things I needed to do to be a cop. But, but up until that point, I mean, I, I had a successful career on the outside and, you know, kind of rose through those ranks and was doing well there. So I'm glad I went that route. I think real world is experience. Real world experience is a good thing. I think mm -hmm. sure. a lot of guys that start at 21 lack that. And I think that's problematic in a policing career. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my first, my first up to that was going to be, why'd you hold off? going in so or so you know to when you did that makes sense you kind of answered that uh i agree completely i think policing wasn't even on the table for me when i was out of high school 1920 like when i was in high school i had the thought of law enforcement and it was quickly kind of stymied by both uh guidance counselors and my and my dad my dad was a cop and he was like no you don't you don't want to be a cop like I been there basically he you know he he did 26 years and he was like no you you got too much else going on don't don't even 
I had an interview, I had a conversation a couple months ago where my guest basically said that he joined law enforcement out of necessity. And that was kind of it for me. Like I got in when I was in my mid twenties because every other avenue I was trying to go at kept getting blocked. And I was like, well, I'll get my LEO cert. I'll go work uh, campus police somewhere and then I'll get my degree and I'll go to what I believe I should be doing. And then I did a ride along, fell in love with it and the rest is history. So everyone that listens to part one is going to notice that. Which I just realized I forgot a question in part one. Can I ask you now? Sure. Two hours later. Yeah. What's the future hold for you? I can't believe I didn't fucking ask that. Oh, let's, let's put a pin in that. We can definitely go back to that, but I just want to stay with my train of thought. So hold on to that. So everyone that did listen to part one, We'll notice that what Poorly May just said, we, he and I, we agree on a lot of things. We're, we're very much the same person in a lot of ways, but we do have a difference here. Whereas I said that I don't believe the job is a true calling, and he does. Um, it's not to say, and, and, and for everyone that hasn't listened to part one yet, I did say that special people work this job. Not everybody can, and that's where the calling part is. But when the job's over, the job's over. That's my take on it, right? Like, I'm not, you know, like, I don't bleed thin blue lines. Oh, no, and I don't think you should do that either. Like, I, I think you need to enjoy your time off. Um, you know, I, I kind of promised myself, and I don't know if Poorly made. Wait, do you, do you have, listen, listen, we've never talked about this before. Do you drive a lifted F-150 with thin blue line stickers all over it? Is that no, what this sir. is? No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> okay. No, sir. Um, but I, go home, enjoy your life. Like policing shouldn't be your entire life. Like, I think that's a big problem that people have. And we kind of talked about that on the first half of having your, you know, your username as your fucking whole identity. But I do think that the job's a calling. And I think, I don't think, I don't expect everyone to kind of share that, but I think, you know, the people that respect that and respect what it should be, um, I guess I usually trust more as cops, you know, cause there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people like you go and you try and talk case law with them and they're like, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. We mean it doesn't fucking affect you. Right. Your goddamn job. That's true. That. Yeah. So I think if, if you don't take a level of, I don't want to say take it home, but I mean, if you don't take it seriously, there's a level of pride for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in like, it, it's not about the name tag, right? It's sometimes it's not even about the patch. It's about fucking representing a whole country full of fucking guys and gals that wear the badge. Right. You have to remember what you swear when you take that oath. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you know, you can talk shit about the oath keepers that are out there. But I mean, the true I mean, when you swear in, a lot of people just see that as procedural. But there's significant meaning in what happens when you swear in. Yeah. And take it seriously. I mean, like you're. This is an important job and I don't want to like, there's been a lot of things that have happened throughout the country where guys were doing the right thing and we know they got, you know, thrown under the bus, but we've seen it where guys don't do the right thing. And I don't, I'm not saying guys being on the take or stuff like that, but cutting corners, Mm -hmm. even if something as stupid as cutting corners drives me nuts or milking calls or whatever, people are waiting for you. People are calling the police because they need you. If you can't go all the time, I get it. Calls are stacking, but like, People are being lazy about not responding to calls or they're fucking over their buddy because they're, you know, they're pulling over a ghost car so they don't have to go to the take the sex assault in their beat because they don't want to take it like that kind of shit should not go on. 
I agree. Well, let's be real. All that, that shit happens in other professions. It's just not, I guess it's not as important. The, the right? stakes aren't as the high. Stakes aren't yeah, as high. I, there you go. That's yeah. a better way to put it. Yeah. If you're, I mean, if you're a waiter or if you work in a factory and you don't take an order, you know, it's no big deal. But if you're a cop and you're not responding to a call in your jurisdiction or in your, your beat or your zone or whatever, the stakes are significantly higher. And think about it being, you know, I mean, I've, I've been the, the zone partner that got screwed over before. And, you know, when I was a rookie and I didn't really understand things, I've screwed people over and that's how you learn. But imagine being that zone partner that keeps getting screwed over. And now you're 10, 12 calls deep. You know what I mean? You've got five reports pending. You're going to get burned out so quick and all because your partner, you know, punted calls to you this whole time. That's shitty, man. Like what, what kind of take does that have on your mental and physical health? And what is it? I mean, there's so many implications to that. Yeah. And I, I've always thought about this and maybe you've experienced, I've never seen like true corruption. Like you, you hear about like TV shows. Like I've never seen anybody on the take. I haven't seen anybody violate anybody's rights. I mean, I've seen some guys bend some fucking policy and procedure, but as far as like violating rights, no. <laughs> no, there's no real life Serpico really going on. Yeah, but so like, you know, I don't want people listening to get the wrong impression when I'm talking about. I'm talking about pure fucking laziness that affects other people, which to me, you're you're it's a disrespect to the badge, man. Mm-hmm. It's just sure. a complete disrespect. Right, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to tack on a quick disclaimer. Uh, it's, it didn't happen in my jurisdiction, but it happened in a, a neighboring where there are some cops that are flat out criminals. You know, they steal from, you know, the um, prisoners' money, you know, or they steal their jewelry or something. It's it's happened. So I'm not I'm not going to go carte blanche and just say no, no, no. All cops are fine. Cops. Well, no, that shit happens. It clearly yeah. happens, but it's not. I mean, I think the country has like eight hundred thousand law enforcement officers. Right. Something like that. You know, like there may be like in a whole fucking country, 10 guys that steal some shit. That's a very small percentage. And there's no cop truly on the take or shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you had that fucking asshole that was planting drugs on people and getting the dope arrest. Mm -hmm. Like as far as I'm concerned, like I hope that guy gets his fucking ass kicked every night in jail. Right. Because A, he made it art like life on the street. Because everybody fucking quote that. Like, oh, that guy that planted Everybody saw the news story. Yeah. So now everybody else on the street's fucking paying for it because this guy is a fucking asshat. Um, fuck that guy. And then it, it you know, it, it wears down the trust of the, betrays the trust of the community, right? Right. And it's so unfortunate that the one act of one person has that impact on the entire profession, but that's the truth of it. That's, that's the way it works. You know, I think it's just something that, you know, we don't think it's not fair, right? But life's not fair. I think you just, you have to accept that that's the truth now in law enforcement is Mm -hmm. if somebody fucks up throughout the country, you're going to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something that everyone needs to keep in mind. Your, your uncle Dennis uh, once said to me, he said, uh, if, you, yeah, if, uh, if you think life is unfair, life as a cop is double unfair or something to that effect. Like the fact, you know, all the different times that, you know, I've been a cop and went, this is, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? Um, and, and I mean, you can apply that to so many different ways, you know, it, uh, local news story in you know, Maine affects me down in Florida. That's not fair. Well, guess what? It's happening. Uh, 
my buddy or, you know, the, the asshat that doesn't deserve the promotion is getting the promotion. That's unfair. Well, it's happening anyway, you know, and I think that's something that it it's true. It happens. And not only that, but it can also it leads you to walk away too, to to kind of tie back to the, the main thesis of the episode. Yeah, I think there's a lot of outside factors that are really hurting law enforcement. But I think at the end of the day, law enforcement will be the death of law enforcement because and maybe we're all guilty to it where we just we're going to lie down and say, well, just because somebody else does something, it's not our fault. It's not fair, but we just got to deal with it. Or it's guys just keep putting themselves in bad positions for no reason. All this shit keeps happening because let's be honest, this you can't expect perfection, right? There's no way you can expect perfection perfection but right people keep doing dumb shit and it's costing everybody else and we have spineless politician and brass that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing i mean how many of these things could we get out ahead of and explain to the public now we're at a point where you, you have to say please sir please sir please don't resist blah 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 look i don't think society should be necessarily like terrified of the cops but there's no fear of the police right now. Mm-mm. There is no fear at all. I, I think look, no fear and no respect. No fear and no respect. And look, a cop shows up and tells you to do something. It shouldn't be. There's always going to be the assholes that mouth off. But now everyone mouths off. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll tell it you. It used right to now, be the outlier. Now it's the common yeah, denominator. Towards the end, when all everything was changing and you couldn't use force and you couldn't defend yourself, everyone fought. Everyone talked shit. Everyone ran. There was more uses of force than ever before, at least in my perception, because people knew they could get away with it or thought they could get away with it. Um, I don't know. There's there's just so many issues with policing right now, and I don't even know where to start to fixing it. But, you know, if you're still on the job, you have an effect on that. You're Mm -hmm. all you can worry about is your small circle of influence. Right. Uh, stealing it from one of my good supervisors is you only have a small circle of influence. So use it wisely because, you know, maybe your circle's 10 guys, you show them the right way to do things. You do things the right way. That's going to rub off on other people, or at least you would hope. And then that 10 guys turns into it's the ripple effect. 50 guys. It's a ripple effect. So if you're still out there, fucking go out there, do the good things, do the right things, be a good example. That's all you can do. You can't control anything else. So don't try. Yeah, absolutely. It, it comes. To, yeah, exactly. It, it comes down to controlling what you can and not worrying about what you can't. And I think that's where people like you and I, we get we get upset and we get frustrated because there's so much that we can't control, but we we immerse ourselves in it. So I, I think, you know, when we talk about leaving the job and we talk about the identity that we attach to the job, um, there's a lot of questions about. I get a lot. Um, that people are like, you know, it's the only thing I know, right? That's what you were talking about. Like, it's the only thing I know. Um, you put so, I mean, there is, there's a lot of time and effort and energy invested in law enforcement. That's without question to the point where it's like, what do we do when that is gone? And for several months and I'm still sorting it out, but you know, I've had a lot of help. Uh, sorting it out is tough trying to figure out who I am without the job. So I, I found this clip. I was listening. I've listened to this podcast a long time ago and I, I was re-listening to it to the, um, this week just 
by happenstance. And this section that I'm gonna I'm gonna play and, and have you listen to really resonated. Now he's gonna talk about being a club promoter. I want you to sub that for police officer and being involved in law enforcement and just check it out. And I wanna I wanna discuss what you think about it because I think it's right on the nose of what we're talking about. All right. For me, the only thing that was holding me back was my own fear around whether people would like me in general. Uh, mm. I didn't have any dependents, single guy, runs his own business, gone to pretty big lengths to make himself uncancelable, and I didn't need anyone. Uh, so the only thing that was holding me back was the pure fear of no longer belonging itself. The question around what does it mean? Who am I if I am no longer the club promoter that stands on the front door? Because there's something inside of me that feels like I should be, how would you say, nourishing my intellectual curiosity or whatever right? That was the biggest obstacle for me to overcome. So it was letting go of the fear and the terror around no longer being the identity. And the thing is, you can play a role for so long that you genuinely don't know who you are anymore. You just have persona upon persona upon persona, and you've buried the real person so deep down that you actually have to go excavating to work out who it is. This is why I think we see suicides in actors who outwardly have everything sorted because people don't love them for who they are. They love them for the role that they play. Right. We don't love Russell Crowe. We love Gladiator. We don't love Chris Hemsworth. We love Thor. Like if you spend your life playing a persona and hiding who you truly are, you can end up at a place in life, not only that you don't want to be, but that you didn't even mean to get to. And this is how you can feel alone in a crowd and hollow in victory because all of the love and the adoration that you're getting from people isn't because of you it's because of a role that you played so there's always this degree of separation from what you did and how you feel about the accolades that you get from it it's like yeah yeah club promoter chris did well today give him a pat on the back but it doesn't fill you existentially it doesn't really really make you feel whole and when that happens when you start to feel hollow from your achievements that's probably a pretty good identifier that look there is a discordance here between what I truly feel compelled to do and the actions that I'm taking, between the identity that I'm playing publicly and the identity that I hold privately. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I also think there's another thing that happens, and I see this with members of the military, is that their identity becomes so wrapped up in what they do, and there actually is deep, meaningful purpose to the work they're doing, and for whatever reason, it gets stripped away. Maybe they decide to retire. Maybe they're medically retired. Uh, maybe they just hit an age bracket and it's time to move on. And because they've wrapped up their identity so much in this one thing that I'm a soldier, a warrior, now they're no longer that. And they actually feel worthless because they haven't figured out, like you're saying, who they really are outside of what they do. Terrifying, man. So here's a question to ask yourself. Do people love me for who I am? Or do people love me for what I do? And that's a really fucking hard question to answer. Do people love me for who I am? And do people love me for what I do? And the first person you need to ask that question to is yourself. Because a lot of the time we say, I want the world to love me for who I am. Meanwhile, I'm going to love myself for what I do. I'm not going to love me for the qualities and the values and the integrity that I know inherently exist inside of me. I'm only going to pat myself on the back if I manage to get that new promotion at work, that new sales target, that new growth with the business, whatever. You're asking the world to do something that you haven't got around to doing yet. 
The right question is what you just said. That's the first question is, well, how do you feel about yourself? Because that's the person you got to live with. And, and also, if you're worried about do other people love me and who I am, what I do, like all of this stuff, you're going to be very, very tempted to be something that you're not because you think that's going to gain the accolades or admiration from other people. So I, I think there's a lot to talk about regarding identity crisis. And that was actually uh, the second episode this year. That's what I called it. But I, I want to hear your take on on that in, in regards to law enforcement and, and our lives and career. I think there is a lot of parallels in that. I, it is an interesting take as far as not to go too too dark but the suicide part of it because i think sometimes maybe when people think that that is ending like that part of their life is ending that you know at least for me i i don't think i ever felt suicidal in the like that oh i'm i'm not going to be a cop anymore um it was actually probably a bigger relief at that point but but when i was still in it i could definitely like what it, what is there left like this is what i was meant to do Uh, I love this job. This is what I always wanted. And now that it's completely gone, like this is what I dedicated myself to. I became that person. I got sucked into, to that role. So I, I think there is a lot of parallels and I, and I guess going back to stuff we were talking about earlier is I would caution people, especially young cops, even older cops. Like I'm a big believer in, yeah, you, you give yourself to the job and it is a calling, but at the same time, don't let the job change who you are fundamentally as a person. Like, I'm still quote unquote Lenny when I'm on the job doesn't mean I can't be a good cop, right? You can't, if you're going into it and you're changing who you are completely, obviously there's exceptions, but we're not going to talk about that right now. But if you're letting the job change who you are and you're becoming a different person, then, then you got some things you got to work out and figure out. I think, um, your take on the job and being on it and, and, and what you're doing is very, and, and this isn't to sound hokey or anything, but I think it's, it's wholesome, you know, like you're, you literally put a lot of heart and soul into it. I feel like a lot of people seem to do it uh, for the name, for the status that comes with it, the notoriety. And that's why they won't hang it up. I think you definitely decided to hang it up for important reasons. Um, your stress level was too high. Was your, would you say that your family life was suffering at all from the stress that you were facing on the job? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'd be lying if I said no. I, I wasn't the same guy. You know, I was, I was drinking a lot more. Uh, I mean, every day I came home and I drank not, I mean, like, you know, I wasn't the fucking liquor. I mean, I, I, wasn't completely trashed or anything, but like I drank a lot more. I was always in a bad mood. I was, I couldn't enjoy my weekends. Um, so yeah, I would say it definitely affected me at home. And how would you say your wife and, and even your kids would say you are now compared to them? I'd like to think I'm better. You know, I think everybody has their moments still. I mean, I think for me, all of it, you know, cause you, you asked in the beginning, you know, how things have gone in the transition and it, it definitely comes in waves where, where, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I, I look back and I'm like, man, I really fucked up. I don't think that at all, but it's still like stressful. Like to me that man, I, my kids, I moved them away from their friends. I moved them away from their grandparents. So like sometimes that does get to me and it bugs me and I'm not in a great mood. And I would say overall, generally, yeah, I, I think I'm in a much better mood. I'm around a lot more. Uh, way more. I mean, I don't have to work off duty jobs to make ends meet anymore. 
I don't, you know, I'm here with the kids. I'm here, you know, when they get home from school. So I think there's some benefits to that. I'm not perfect, um, but I would say it's a lot different. I think I'm closer to being who I used to be. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed something, and I don't know if you did this intentionally or, or what, but when you were just recapping like the things that you kind of questioned about your decision, it had nothing to do about the job. You said that you, you know, felt bad about moving the kids away from their friends and their and their grandparents, but you didn't say like, oh man, you know, earlier you did, you know, about worried about having your buddies be short staffed and stuff. But that last clip, you were focused on on your your family, and I thought that was interesting. That I mean, goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like your family is the impotence of that decision making. Because for me, it, it was the same way. I remember the weekend uh, before. I made the, I made the decision. And, and again, I hadn't, I hadn't hit the crash at that point, but uh, which goes back to our first part of the conversation. I remember flat out being anxious about going to training. Now I don't like sim rounds. And I think that played a part in it because I knew I was going to get pelted with sim rounds, but there was obviously more, there was a lot more going on and, and you know, the, the physiological responses that I was having and stuff. And I think we, it's so it's easier to look at in retrospect, but I think, I think, you know, I, I didn't listen to the pod. Did, did you have a podcast with your wife on? Yeah, but it was more um, relationship advice and making fun of small peepees. So, okay. Um, no, but, um, on my wife. Oh, I should do that. That could be hairy. Yeah. That, that could be a fun one. Have her, have her drink some pickle whiskey, but no, I, I, you know, it's just, I think, you know, I'm sure she sees because people see how we are way better than we see ourselves sometimes. Um, and, and and my girlfriend's even said comments to the effect that, like, I'm much more relaxed. And, and that was a question you asked in the first round. So I don't know. I think that I one of the purposes of this conversation when we first hashed it out and said we wanted to have it was kind of lay the groundwork i'm not and and i i'm sure you're the same way not telling people to leave law enforcement that's not the point of it um but i do think that there's a lot of people on the fence and they're concerned there's a lot of things to be concerned about family well-being personal well-being but one of the things that i want to take away from it for anybody is that you know if you have the means to do it and it's coming down to your mental health and your family's well-being it's something you seriously need to consider would you agree with that yeah yeah i mean it's obviously a very complex issue i mean there's i think a million different things you need to take into consideration you know i i would say the biggest thing because i i think cops very often get pigeonholed into i'm i'm only been a cop that's the only thing i know how to do Mm-hmm. Uh, there's especially now there's so many jobs out there you can go to trade school you can i mean there's all sorts of things you can do so but i think it's important that you do have a backup plan and that you don't just quit um i you know this this plan that you know was kind of wild um that me and my my wife had it was a plan though it wasn't we knew the direction we were going to go we knew what we had to do to make it work we knew the things that needed to happen for it to happen and so we had that kind of the check box of like, all right, we did this. Now we need to do this. Now we need to do this. And so now, you know, I, I'm stable. Like I don't, 
I, I don't worry about, you know, my house being taken. I don't worry about having money for food. Like I'm, a, I'm an okay spot. I'm not great. I'm not rich by any means. I, I think people sometimes think like, oh man, your meme got a thousand likes. You must, must be rich. <laughs> oh no, it don't work that way to make no, money. Around a meme page. There's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, I got to sell stuff, man. I got to hustle. So I'm definitely not rich by any sense, but don't think of yourself as, you know, I'm a cop. That's the only thing I know. Like you're more than that. Like you can find right. a job, you can get into something else. You don't necessarily need schooling, but don't jump off that cliff without any idea what you're going to do and how you're going to support yourself. You know, maybe that means, you know, save up a couple bucks because you know, you're going to be out of work for a little bit. What, whatever that means to you. I mean, I think that's common sense stuff. Like I, I think people realize that, but I think that's the first step in the plan is, is making sure you have a plan mm -hmm. of what yeah. you're going to do and not just that. Don't that's make a big one. Decision. Don't just jump into the abyss. I agree completely. And it helps when you, well, you know, I was going to say it helps when you have a, a supportive partner that you can discuss things with. I think that's key. But if you're a single guy and you're just flat out not happy, I think that makes it maybe a little bit easier because you're the only one that you're responsible for. Um, but still, don't, I, I would say don't just jump without having a plan. I know people that have jumped into the feds or, you know, they went private industry or whatever, just, you know, those months or, or, or just changing departments and those, oh, yeah, that's uh, a big thing too. Don't just because your police department sucks. Doesn't mean the guys down the road have a bad time. Uh, there are some great police departments out there that still support their guys that have good leadership, fair leadership that send their guys to training that treat everybody fairly that let their guys enforce the law. Those places still do exist. Yeah. I had, uh, I, I was talking to a guy today. I, I hope he left a voicemail. Uh, I told him to because I really liked what he was saying. But basically, he went from a big agency, uh, I think six to 700 people, and he wanted to go to somewhere smaller. Like, we're talking Mayberry size, like really small. And he was really hemmed up on it. He's like, no, nah, I don't know if I should, blah, blah, blah. He did. And I kind of, I was like leaning on him. I was like, man, you know, this sounds like this would be the good move. It was same commute from his home to where he was going. Like it was the next agency over. So it wasn't a big like lifestyle change or anything. Uh, he told me today how much he is so glad that he made that move. They say that sometimes the grass isn't always greener, but sometimes it is. And you really need to do your research, but don't be afraid to look into other agencies. And I was talking to a guy last night who's moving to Texas, like from California sometimes the grass is greener. Sometimes there's a pay cut involved. Like if you're going from New York or New Jersey, coming to Florida, you're going to lose a lot of pay. But I mean, what's the price of your mental well-being too? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's so many factors that go into it. So, and I hope that you have somebody to bounce ideas off of too, because I know for me, I have a lot of great ideas in my head, mm -hmm. but once they go to paper, once I say them out loud, they are terrible, God awful ideas. <laughs> Like wearing masks on camera. That was a bad idea. <laughs> that was a really bad idea. Um, but it just needs to be reworked. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. It just needs to be reworked a little uh, bit. Yeah, I, I think the idea is okay. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> I got all these masks out. What am I gonna? I mean, like, what am I gonna do with this man? Like, I got the. What, I mean, what are we? What are we gonna? Is do? that a pig? That is a pig. Yeah. <laughs> I got, yeah. So I don't know. That was a bad idea. But <laughs> at least I, I realized it though. Um, before it was too late, but yeah, just 
be careful. I mean, a rash decision is never a good one, right? You, as a cop, you know that you see people make rash, bad decisions in their lives and it, and it ends up, you know, affecting them or their kids or whatever, whatever it may be, you know, whether that's, you know, somebody hits their wife or, you know, drives drunk or, or whatever, just making a big lifestyle change like this, make sure you're doing it with a clear head mm-hmm. or, and you, have you to know, talk to you about it. Sure. Or on the, on the flip side, you know, maybe give it some time and maybe it'll work out. I think there's, there's a bunch of different ways. There's no clear cut answer. You can't DM me or P uh, PMP PMPM. And uh, we're going to have the answers for you. Uh, we can kind of give you some guidance regarding, I mean, I don't know if he wants to give anyone guidance, but I, I give guidance all the time about what worked for me. And, um, but there's no clear cut answer. There's no cookie cutter response, but it's, I think it's at okay. the end of the day too, sometimes though, like you have to bounce ideas off of people, but I think at the end of the day, you know, in your heart, what you want to do. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. When and sometimes I, you have to listen to that. Yeah, when when I was talking to your uncle, he uh he said something about that. Like when the moment you start putting it out in the universe, all you're doing is asking for validation for that decision. Like, is that a good decision? Absolutely true. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, absolutely true. So I mean, and that's the moment it starts crossing your mind, whether it's changing departments, changing states, or just leaving altogether, it's time to start going to brass tacks and figuring out exactly what it is you want um because you're already putting it out there um so now we're gonna hit the the question section uh we have quite a few so i i dropped three question boxes uh the other day and we got quite a few for you and i uh the first question is who has the better memes <laughs> well that was fucking proven a couple months that was, ago that wasn't was it? crushed yeah if, if you guys didn't uh Blood it, go ahead. Where, where's your where's your uh song where's your song at oh let me oh, i gotta pull it back up it's all right i'll, I'll play it i'll put okay. it in back. Uh, yeah if, if you witnessed the uh 10-8 meme tournament uh it was very clearly poorly made and they were anonymous so i can't even say oh it's because he had more followers no he just i'll tell you me. what though you you skated through the tournament Thirst Responders gave me quite the fucking scare. And if her meme was worded just a little bit betterly, that's not a word. But if it was... No, no, no. That's perfect. Betterly. If her meme was worded a little bit better... It's very on brand of you. Yeah, I can't speak. Then I think she would have won. I think it's just because she was a nurse and not a cop. But, like, it was very close. Like, I saw that and I was like, ooh, I could definitely lose. And then, of course, RJ5, oh, my God, that's awesome, man. He gave me quite the scare. Um Although that I don't was, know that was, that was the there true was one final. meme. I don't know what he was thinking about. Um, but then I couldn't believe this, the fucking the ham sandwich meme went so far, man. It's so such low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, um, that was that was a good time, though. It was. And we talked about the meme more in the, the previous part. So hopefully by this point, you guys gloat. went back and listened to it. What was that? Only so I could gloat. Yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty that guy must be your people. That's why he brought it up. Um, next one. How does one know moving away from family is a good choice? This is a good question for you. Um, and, and me, I guess, technically. I don't I don't know, man. I, I got to, like, to be kind of, I, I don't know if I've really expressed this anywhere else, but I, I can talk about it. Um, I have a lot of guilt for leaving, to be honest, because my parents are getting a little bit older. And um, I told myself for a long time I was going to be close when it came to the end for them. I'm not saying they're going to die tomorrow, but they're getting older, right? 
And so I have some guilt for being, you know, so far away right now. Um, but about how far away are you? Like, I would, uh, I don't know, like a good seven hours, okay. seven, eight hours. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a little high. Significant, yeah. Now, I mean, I can, I can get there, you know, I can get there. I mean, within the day, if I needed to, without any kids, I could get my ass out there, but I don't like that where, you know, before I was like two hours away. So that's, there's some guilt for sure, man. And, and you know, like their cousins are out there and I know they're close with their cousins and, and nephews. They don't have nephews, but we're not in Alabama, but they're, they're close with their cousins, <laughs> their cousins and they have nephews. friends out there. So that's tough, man. But, you know, kind of, we talked about a little more on my podcast about, you know, the cup being full and, you know, you can't take care of yourself. You can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. And so you have to kind of make that decision, right. Where, um, and I think I made that right decision where I'm like, this is going to be the best. This is good for me. I think it's going to be good for them. It's a, I mean, to be honest, it is a much better place to raise a kid. I think, I think the, I mean, bad things can happen to kids everywhere. Um, but I mean, just, I mean, the baseball, it was just like incredible playing ball out here with the kids playing ball out here. Um, tight knit community, you know, people stayed after the game and played and like, it was just shit you wouldn't see in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it just, it felt like a lot like my childhood, you know, where the whole town kind of came together where you just, I don't think that's really a thing anymore. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not worried if the kids go walk over to their friend's house. I'm not worried if they go ride their bikes. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think the, the school I think is better, I think, but it's, I don't know. There, there's things here that I think are better for the kids, but then mm-hmm. you take away the X factor of their family too. So it's, that's a really tough call that, you know, only you can make, but if, if your situation's so bad where you're just so unhappy, I think your family has to understand that too. Mm-hmm. Right. I, um, the way you described where you live now, that sounds exactly like where I grew up. Three traffic lights, um, 17 pizza. What's a traffic light? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah there ain't no traffic lights here, man. That's funny. Um, but yeah, so that, that actually, that made me long for my childhood. Um, as far as me moving away from family, it was a personal decision. It wasn't a professional one. I made the professional decision because of the personal decision, but um, it was a dis- decision I made with my family or a discussion I had with my family when I made the decision to move in with my girlfriend, um, which I mean, that's that's just family stuff for me. So I, I as far as job related moves, um, poorly takes the elm on it. But at the very end of the day, just like he said, it's something that you have to decide is right uh, to just kind of piggyback on what he said, though. I'm going to quote Spock real quick. Uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I can't do it. I'm trying to do the Spock thing. Are you trying to do the hand thing? Yeah. I, I, I clicked away so I could read the quote properly. I got like that. Right oh, there. look at you fucking nerd. Look at that. That's <laughs> I practice this when I'm alone. There's but, some masturbation joke to be made. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but this also kind of looks like the flipper for uh, the penguin in the uh, Tim Burton movie, kind of. Um, but anyway, but to take that quote, you know, when you said about like you had to factor in what was best for your family. Also based on like your mental health, like you can take care of your your family properly if your mental health was trash and i think that's that's what it comes down to like yeah you want to be by your family you want to be by your parents or whatever um but if you're not good then what does that matter right do you want to go down a a rabbit hole with that though yeah let's go so i think there's another valid argument to that 
and I think its validity validity depends on the person at hand. But I think I think somebody could listen to that and say, well, sort yourself out. Sort yourself out. Go to fucking therapy. Go to whatever. Sort yourself out so you can stay there and you can do those things. Mm-hmm. And I say that is to give you can't run away from your problems, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely I'm not, not you can't run away from your problems. So I'm not advocating like Oh, my life sucks. I'm just going to fucking leave. I mean, if there's things tying you there that makes you want to stay, that's great. Um, me and my wife, you know, we're both on board with that adventure. So, I mean, that, that, that's something you have to kind of make that, that decision. But I, I right. mean, I think you could also, I think somebody could really legitimately be critical of me and say, well, okay, yeah, you didn't want to be a cop in Colorado anymore. Yes, real estate's expensive. You didn't think you could start over. We'll fucking figure it out. Man up and figure it out. I think you could make that argument too. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, it goes back to what you're saying about it being a personal decision. Like you, you weighed all the options and that was the proper decision for you. Um, for me, again, different, conver- different topic, but for me, you know, I saw more of a future when I moved away and left the safe department. When I moved down this way, it wasn't as safe as I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, or it's you know, it, th- there's struggles wherever you go. Obviously, like you were talking about, you still kind of have these needs and wants that may not necessarily be filled at the moment. It's a, it's a process. So it, it's, and it's not a perfect decision one way or another. Um, you know, even though I made a move for one reason, like there are days when I'm like, man, when, when my girl's at work, it's me and the dog and it's, it, it gets kind of you feel kind of lone wolf for a little bit. So it's not, it's not perfect. Uh, the next question from nerd operator. He sent like, he sent a couple. He says, after I left, I feel like I changed back to the person I used to be. Is this just me? Uh, I would say I'm turning more kind of who I was, but I don't think I've changed a whole lot either. You know, I, I don't know. I, for me, I, I changed a little bit. I mean, like, I was definitely towards the end of my policing career. I was a fucking grump and angry all the time. And I'm sure you guys noticed on the page the memes were considerably darker. But I, I think it, I didn't – I was still the same guy to an extent. Um, but I, I guess I feel more like myself. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just say that – I mean, I've always been lighthearted. I've always – even in, in quote-unquote pain, I would make jokes and stuff. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think now I make more cynical memes than I did when I was leaving – but that's just kind of my social commentary side of it. But I think if anything, I'm just stress more stress-free now. Like I don't, like I said on, on part one, I, I clock out at the end of the shift and that's it. There go my concerns. Like I next, the next thing I'm worried about is like, Oh, what's the, what's the workout at CrossFit? What's, you know, what's for dinner? What am I going to, you know, what's going on with the dog? Like, no work stress and it's it's a very nice feeling and i feel like more of a full person i'm more present Uh, i'll give you that i'm definitely more present because i i think for a long time towards the end of my career i was i just i was there Mm -hmm. i wasn't like really like a contributing member to my family i was just there did did you have did you have work email on your phone that is the worst possible thing you can ever do to yourself. And yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, they told us don't do it. 
but then they also forced they didn't force it on you but they did like don't have it on you but then when you don't answer when you're off duty why didn't you answer so it's right. like or if you want an off-duty gig or you want an off duty yeah. that was the next thing i was going to say um right now uh in my new gig i just now um probably a month ago we do all our scheduling through teams microsoft teams and i refused to put it on my phone but uh they changed my schedule and i couldn't figure it out and I put it on, which is not so bad, but I don't have work email. And my supervisor's like, no, nah, man, just put it on. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't want anything to do with this place off duty at all. Like if you guys want to hire me for an off duty job, text me, which they have, but don't, you know, don't, I, I need that separation. That's so important. So yeah, I think being present in, in family life has been, and it's still something I'm working on. And again, when we go back to talking about being on the phone and being on social media, that takes away from being present, but so much better than I was uh, 10 months ago. Uh, so second question from Nerd Operator, uh, do you still feel like you have a call to serve even after you left? Yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. 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 I feel good. No, I just say, I just, I think that is like kind of a, a hole in my, uh, I don't know, a hole in my heart sounds kind of douchey and overbearing, but I, overbearing is even the wrong word. I can't talk folks. If you follow my page or podcast, you know that, but <laughs> blame it, the Mountain Dew. Yeah. Blame the Mountain Dew. But I just, I don't, I, I just, I feel incomplete, I guess, which is, mm-hmm. it's kind of cringy. I don't know, but I, I feel like it, I should be doing more. Right. And so when I made the, the switch to dispatch, which I was going to take this portion to kind of talk about dispatch, but just listen to poorly made. I don't feel like saying it again. Um, When I made the switch, it was different, right? Everyone was like, Oh man, when they, when they go code to a hot call, you're going to want to be there and you're going to want to, I don't. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind going to the hot call, right? Like I like the adrenaline rush of the lights and sirens and cutting intersections and all that crap, but it's different also because I went to a completely new agency. I think if I was at my old agency and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to dispatch. That would be different because I know those guys like inside and out. Um, there is a Did call you to say serve you know those guys inside and out inside and out, sir. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, low hanging fruit, man. It was there. No, no, man. You, yeah. you, you suck on that low hanging fruit. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but it was different. I had, I had a stronger connection with those guys and, and girls than I do with the people I work with now, but still being in dispatch, it still kind of fills up the cup a little bit of needing to serve um, because I do still serve. I still occupy a public safety persona. We're going to go back to your old question right now. I think because um, poorly made was asking what's up. Go ahead. You ask the question again. Yeah, so I should have asked this on my side, and I was meaning to, and I got distracted. But what does the future hold for you? What, okay. Where are you going? So um, this August, I will be enrolled in school again, first time in six plus years. I'm going the clinical psychology route. And basically what how that transpired was uh, at my agency, there's a crisis intervention and stress management team. No, critical incident stress management team. And um, I want to be a part of it. I want to help cops in crisis. But one reason or another, 
it wasn't going the way I wanted to. It was taking forever. So I started taking notes, doing research about mental health, resiliency, stuff like that. Kind of based on my personal experiences and, and things I've learned on the podcast and things like that. So I started doing that and I was, I, I'm in therapy and I was talking to my therapist about it and he's like, yeah, man, that's really good. But like, if you start studying psychology, not only will you have your own personal anecdotes and like the, the stuff that I've researched, which is not, it's not bad, but it's not really like rooted very well. I'm kind of just taking a few sentences from a couple articles. He's like, but if you go and get like true proper education, now you have all those things to back you up and you can like, yes, it could be a springboard with what I'm doing now, but you can really start helping people. And so I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I was like, well, what if I do what he does and just start uh, being a counselor for cops? Like, I mean, not just cops, but specifically, you know, geared towards cops. So what does the future hold for me? I don't know. I'm going to school for it. My goal is at least my master's, um, but still working dispatch because it, it pays the bills. And then we'll see where everything goes. I mean, it could it could go to nowhere or it could go to something else. And then we'll see. Sometimes you just got to ride on the train and see where it takes you. Exactly. I mean, I, de- I, <laughs> I might edit this part out and I'll just say it to you. But there's a part of me that kind of wants to be the next like Jordan Peterson, but for cops. You know, like this really like this thought leader with a with a fundamental foundation in, in true education. But we'll see. You know, I, I don't know exactly where it's all going to go. Um, but like you said, I'm, I'm going to ride the train. There's a joke to be made there, too. But I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. something about trains and your mom and stuff. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. I already told you. <laughs> you did. Um, all right. Next question. Who has the better sex dungeon? It's it's poorly made. Hands down. There's no He's question. Got, no, no question. No, not yeah. at all. And, and when you were showing... responders down here and it's great. Yeah. Right. She's farting on chairs and shit. And... <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah, we'll I'll have to address the fart some other day. Yeah. Um, when you were showing me your patch walls and everything, I didn't realize how dungeony it really was. It's, it's pretty dungeony. When I saw the staircase, I'm like, Oh, oh it's not that bad. It's a it's... fucking 1880s typical basement. Okay. What, like don't... what happened on four ten ninety three, sir? I don't, some kid probably got his dick sucked. I don't know. <laughs> By Kevin, apparently. Hey, man. Yeah, is what it says on his... Uh... I actually tried to find... The, well, you should probably cut that out just in case, but I tried to find that guy on Facebook. I couldn't find him. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious. Because a lot of the names, it's just like first names. Yeah. So if anybody's curious, there's all these fucking names and chalk on the wall and on the ceiling. Does that say daddy or is that baddie? Right uh, across, where at? Right above, right above Kevin. Something, uh, I can't see it, are daddies. Or bosom, oh, bosom buddies? Bosom buddies? Amanda and Kylie are bosom buddies? I've never oh. actually read them. Wow. Some fun stuff might have happened in here. <laughs> so, there's all this shit written on the Has wall. Has anyone seen here. this part of the dungeon or am I getting... No, I've taken pictures and made videos and stuff. Okay. You're the first one to dissect it, but... That's what I, I'm here for. I I just felt weird. Cause, uh, so obviously stuff's been up since the 90s, which isn't forever. But and I get it's my house now, but I there's this weird part of me about erasing history. And it is chalk. Like I, I look, I touched one part of it. It's chalk. It came right off. And it's like, it's been up here for so long. 
you know, I think there's been a couple homeowners since that time. I'm like, I just felt weird about taking it down and yeah, but it kind of prevents me from making it my own too. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I can see, I can see the, the both sides of it. I mean, there's, there's 30 magazines in the ceiling too. I found are the, are the pages stuck together? Not yet. <laughs> hey, oh man, <laughs> do you remember finding your dad's porn stash? My dad didn't have porn. No, man, found, I, I found my friend's dad's porn stash. There's okay. some childhood trauma there, but we don't. <laughs> I, I just remember my dad had an office in kind of a in a basement and whatever, and I can't remember what he sent me into one of his filing cabinets to get something, and I went in the wrong drawer and it was it was the old all the old playboys from like the 80s and 90s and i was like holy crap look at the bush on this one it was <laughs> it was a, it was a magic it was a life-changing moment for absolute sure um next question tell us this time you pooped your pants did, did i talk about this when i was on your show or is that before the poop pants uh dude this was before the poop pants i think you poop pants was well, when Dispatcher Mo came on the podcast, and that was like mid first season, so it's been a minute. Um, but yeah, uh, we, you, you miss poop stories. I did. So I, I'll. I mean, I don't. Not on duty. I haven't. I can't I mean, believe I didn't ask you on. I fuck my podcast fell apart. I didn't ask you like half the shit I was supposed to ask you, man. But now you can. Your plan right is planning to fail. Um, yeah. So I, I had not on duty. There were. I'll give you two poop stories for when I was working since they weren't me actually pooping my pants, but they were pretty close. Um, I was an FTO. We stop a car. It was a good car too. It was, um, and my, it was day shift. My FTO was, you know, wizard of Oz, the, the witch, right. But her human version where she's on the bicycle. Yeah. I, I can't remember her name. Like da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. Yeah. Her. That's who she was. That was my FTO. She was just mean and nasty and haggard and old. And I stop a car. And we get out on, with the car. It The guy had no license. It, it Something else, something else, something else. And there was kids in the car. Like, the guy was going to jail, right? Like, it, there was nothing. There were, there were issues. And out of nowhere, my belly was like, yo, dude, we got to check out. And... I'm I'm like on the car stop. I, I got his license or his uh, his return back, and I'm like shit. Like I, I know this is not going to be like all right, sir. Have a nice day. And my belly is doing the whole gurgle thing, and I'm looking. I'm like, there's a house right there, and the and the front door's open, the screen door's open. I could probably be like, hey, excuse me, can I just stop in real quick? I just I just need to inspect your bathroom. I need to commandeer this bathroom. Uh, but I figured that wasn't it. So I pull my FTO aside and I'm like, hey. I don't know how to say this. Um, I want to finish this stop, but I got to go. So she had the, she had, she couldn't leave the car cause it was, it was a criminal car that I opened. I, you know, I opened this Pandora's box and uh, she had to call another officer to come pick me up to go take me to the station. So I, I left the car mid stop and I think oh she ended God. up. Letting, yeah. So she, I think she ended up letting it go with like a ticket or whatever. And the guy shouldn't have been driving and whatever it was. Uh, she was never the same with me after that. She failed me after that. Um, not because of that, but she found every reason to fail me after it. Uh, the second story, a little less fun. I mean, it's not really that fun anyway, but we were out shooting at the range and the belly. I, I've got, so I, I, I don't have a gallbladder. So food just kind of passes right through me sometimes. And uh, it was right after, I think, breakfast when I was on narcotics. 
And uh, we were at the range because we knew it was going to be range day. So we didn't really do anything that day. And uh, we're shooting. We finished the first round of quals. I think we had to do rifle qual and then we were done. But that was still going to be like another half hour for an, or to an hour. And I had to use the restroom. Well, we're out in the woods, you know, at, at the shooting range. And uh, there's no outhouses or something like that. So I go all the way through like the, the palmetto, um, all the different palm trees, the queen palms and everything that are coming up to like chest height. And I, I found a place to squat. And uh, <laughs> it was only then that I realized that I didn't have toilet paper. Oh. So, so I had to improvise. And I, I mean, I did. I, I, I made do with what I had. But it was like. Sarge, I got to go home. And I lived in the jurisdiction, but I was like, Sarge, I got to go home. Don't ask me questions. I'll meet you at the office later. Like, it, it was not a good situation to be in. Uh, it, was, it was not fun, for sure. Those belly problems, man. I know. I know. I know how that goes, man. Yeah, it's not. It's it, I don't know. And I feel like I feel like even though there's no stress, I feel like they've gotten worse. But that's something for me to discuss with my doctor at a later time. <laughs> um, all right. This one's a good one. Uh, what would it take to bring you back to the job or would you teach the next generation in the Academy? Um, I gotta be honest. It, for me, I think to go back to the job, it would honestly just have to be the right situation. Um, I, uh, and I'm fat right now, so I need to get into shape. I need a, like a sports training montage before I go back to the road. You know, we're talking like Rocky four. Yeah. Yeah, like running through the streets and punching meat in lockers and shit. I mean, you beat your meat quite a bit anyway. Well, I, I mean, obviously. <laughs> um, there's fucking, there's a magazine right up here. What am I supposed to do? Uh, I mean, 1982. Dude, it's March. like 70s, man. It's unbelievable. Oh, man. Um, it's weird. But anyway, um, yeah, it wouldn't, for me, it wouldn't take like a lot. I mean, I would never, I wouldn't go back to my old agency. Mm-hmm. No way. No fucking way. Uh, I don't think I'd be a cop in Colorado. Um, but, yeah, it would just have to be the right circumstance. I don't know why I thought you lived in Nebraska. It's I knew it was a corn-fed place. state, but... See, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. Yeah. It's all the same place. You man. know what? There's another meme lord from Nebraska, and I think you got I got you too confused. How fucking dare you confuse me with anyone? I'm the fucking <laughs> meme. I know. I know. It's my bad. It's um, well, you know, because I was thinking of, like, corn fed states so those three and then i was like no wait he's not in the one with the big city because i was thinking of omaha so yeah that's where yeah we, we have des moines oh i forgot about des moines, des moines not, you know that's like a bad. big town yeah <laughs> i don't know i mean there's like lots of towns here and lots of like medium-sized towns you have like davenport and like all these other places oh, yeah. ames ames iowa no, I know Demo- I know Davenport. I don't know about Ames. Um, what do we got? We got Council Bluffs right on the other side of the Missouri, hmm. next to Omaha. Do I have any other Iowa patches up here? I don't think so. Um, so to answer the question for me, I don't know. I think I'm right now. I'm good. Like I said in part one, I've been uh, offered a couple times by by my agency to go through training and and go through FTO to fill some spots. I've even thought about either going reserve or like just being a desk officer just to activate my cert again. But then I, I think about it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want, the, I don't want the bullshit. I don't, you know, like it's kind of nice answering the phone. And then someone asks a stupid question, like, you know what? Let me get you an officer. They'll answer that question for you. 
and that's it. Like, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to formulate a, a constructive answer. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, oh, well, like, you know, they'll ask like simple traffic law or something. I was like, actually, no, you don't have to do that. But then they ask another question or they question it. And they're like, you know what? It's not my, not my pig, not my farm. Let me get you an officer. They'll answer up to you. So that's right now. I'm not there. Um, in my agency, we have a civilian position called the uh, community service aid where they, they respond to crashes and like stuff without suspects. So just to fill reports at the bullshit stuff that cops don't want to deal with anyway. Um, I've thought about doing that like part-time to dispatch, but why? Like, you know, like I'm not, I don't think I'd find any happiness taking theft reports or, you know, no injury vehicle crash reports. Like it's just unnecessary. So I think that's I can't, a good job for somebody that's too young to be a cop, maybe either too young or, or too retired. Old. Yeah. 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 We have a, uh, we have a retired guy that does it and we have a um, disabled vet that does it. So, I mean, when I was talking earlier, I think it was on your show about crime prevention. I thought about doing the CSA position and then doing crime prevention as a part of it. But like I said, with staffing, they'd never allow it. I'm, I'm stuck in dispatch for quite a while. So um, I even was thinking about like splitting the two, but staffing just won't work. Um, and would I ever teach in the academy? I would teach. Would you teach? Yeah, I would teach. Uh, I'm, I'm not like the like tactical expert or a fucking gun expert or whatever, but I, I think I have some things to, to tell people. I wouldn't mind getting specialized in something and put my yeah. own little flavor on it. I'd, and, and that's kind of where this whole mental health thing is kind of going. Like I wouldn't mind teaching mental health and resiliency. Also, I'm going to have to put in like a two minute warning. Cause I'm gonna have to get to bed soon. Um, what is the biggest positive and what is the biggest negative about what? Leaving the job. The biggest positive, I think, is just kind of having that weight off your shoulder as far as, you don't. I mean, you really don't have to worry about stuff. I mean, I say I still do, but I mean, not to the same extent. I mean, I I don't worry about going to jail. I don't, you know, I don't worry about um, my livelihood being taken away. I don't worry about protesters coming to my house. I don't worry about all that shit anymore. Um, And then, you know, for me, the, the negative is, Honestly, the biggest thing that I miss beyond like being a cop and being everything else is, is the boys, man. Uh, I miss my friends, man. I miss the boys and the girls that, you know, made a lot of good friends over the years on the job. So I, I miss the camaraderie for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to the, you know, missing the clowns, not the circus that yep. kind of got the idea for. Um, and, and for me, the, the positive obviously is the no stress and the biggest negative is honestly our answers are the same i miss i miss the people at my old agency that i would run and gun with um which actually looking back at it and and you and i can have a full conversation off off the air at one point but a lot of the guys that i run and gun with they're gone um either passed away got fired uh one wound up in jail it's uh so really you know they say you never go home again like you it's it like that that part's gone. So it's kind of like, you know, is there is there going back or is there starting a new home? I don't know. You know, so I'm not sure. Um, next question. How do you let go and find something else? That's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, poorly, <laughs> poorly made and I are still kind of in it as far as being surrounded. Yeah, I, I definitely haven't let go. 
I haven't let go. Um, do you think here, here's a question. Do you think that it's possible? Obviously you have a lot invested in poorly made, but aside from that, do you think it's possible for you to shut down shop with poorly made and then live a true civilian life? Yeah. I think about it daily, to be honest with you. And I don't want to sound all hoity-toity, but I know it means a lot to a lot of people. And I know that's maybe even a sense of, of service to some people is they, they like not everybody, like I don't think 100,000 people follow me and like their day is brightened up by a meme. But I think there are there's enough people that I think enjoy it enough where I feel like I would be letting them down. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Maybe I'm being narcissistic. I don't know. But no, I, I think you're right. I think last week when I said, oh, you know, I'm going to be done. And then I got one message that the guy was like, no, dude, I, your your existence is why I'm still here. That was I mean, I I would never think I'd have that effect on people. So you never know. Just like we never know how many lives we save for a single car stop. We don't know the impact we have on all the people that come. Oh, across yeah, our stuff. absolutely. So. But but with that said, like I I think um, I could shut her down and go just do something else and never think about it again. Well, that's a lie. Never think about it again. I don't think so. But I think I I could be perfectly happy doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do? I don't know, man. Uh, there's actually surprisingly a lot of work out here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different, you know agricultural based industries not necessarily working on a farm there's factories there's driving truck there's would you enjoy doing stuff like that um i gotta be honest i think for me to be happy i think i would need something with some travel and being outside i don't think i'm the kind of guy that could be inside like on a factory line right or something like that i mean like dude honestly like a mail carrier like ups fedex that's fucking, yeah. That job be dope. I, man. you know, I'll, I'll be honest. One of the things that really bothers me from dispatch is not being outside. Like I've said multiple times, we have we have windows. They're like, I don't know, about eight feet off the ground, and their their blinds are shut every day. And I'm like, can we? We can't open them because of you know glares and stuff on the computer screen. But it's like, I need I, like I walk outside just to get some fresh air. Like it's just, I agree. Between that and like being sedentary it's not it sucks like i've gained weight and oh yeah i mean yeah me too i mean i've, I've gained a ton of weight since i left like yeah. a ton of weight so yeah, it, over uh the past year i think i've gained i've gained a lot i'm not gonna put throw the number out there but i've gained a lot it's, it's and that that comes with being sedentary and like you don't realize how much you actually do run and gun um till you don't run and gun and it's like shit that shit i'm eating it actually it's it's tacking on um Next question: Do you st- do you miss it still, and do you get treated differently because of leaving? I, I'd I'd refer to part one for that, but I'll ask you because I, I don't think I asked that question. Um, I would say that uh, yeah, I definitely miss it still. I think that's been established. Do I get treated differently by a few people, um, but not not many? I mean, like there's there's people that straight up said that you know you're you're a phony for still making police stuff and you're not a cop, but. Man, if, if that's what they think and that makes them feel better, then that's okay. I, I get it, man. They're If they're still out on the job and they feel like I'm a grifter, I could see how that could be upsetting to them. I'm, I'm not going to take that away from them. Um, that's but you fine. know what? You're not you're not uh, you're not dressing up in a uniform and prancing around. So that's that's a start. Yeah, I don't call myself officer whatever um, in my title or anything <laughs> like that. So um, right. officer officer Lenny. 
Officer Lenny. Yeah, I no, I I don't know, man. I I think it's like anything though. I mean, like when I was making the memes and on the job, some people thought it was unprofessional. I mean, you're you're not gonna make anybody happy. I mean, like I make fun of TikTokers. I make fun of like you know the the police influencers and shit. I make fun of those folks where people, plenty of people have right to make fun of me because I fucking make memes about pagan people's moms. I mean, <laughs> how, that's not professional either. So, I, I mean, I don't put my name and a face to it. But I, right. I, I think if you, if you – something I've learned to accept, um, and especially if you're one of these people getting online and being more active online, you have to accept that you're, you're going to get criticism. You have mm-hmm. to accept that. Right. That's um, something that you've taught me. They, yeah, I'm, dude, I, and I, dude, I'm guilty as anybody else. I get upset sometimes with stuff, but you just have, you put yourself out there, you're going to get criticized. You have to accept that. It might not be fair and it might be stupid. Like there's no reason like for the Karens, but you know what? They're there and they exist. So if you're going to put yourself out there, you're going to have to deal with it. Sure. You play around in the dirt long enough, you're going to get dirty. That's something yep. someone says to me. So uh, you're right. Um, as far as do I miss it still, it goes back to I miss the old days. I don't, I mean, I, 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 there's a small handful of people that I work with right now who either know me from 10, eight or just kind of understand that I have some experience. So we kind of, we can kind of riff back and forth a little bit, um, which kind of helps. And I, I was saying uh, to someone else that being a civilian in my agency, you have a very small voice being a civilian in a brand new agency you know, even smaller voice. So it, it, it sucks because they don't know, a lot of them don't know what I've been through. Um, I think if they did, I think I'd feel a little bit more at home, so to speak. That's whatever. And do I get treated differently? See poorly made's episode. Cause yes. Uh, but, but it's, it's a, it's a select few. I think it is a select few. Um, do people regret leaving? I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for me. No, I don't regret leaving. I don't, um, I mean, there's things I do, you know, I, I, I don't want to say regret. I, I, I guess I think about some things and maybe think about how it could have went differently. I got to be honest though. Um, to based on what's in my DMS, it's honestly 50, 50. I have people that say, Hey, like I left. It's great. I love my life. I get paid more. There's way less stress. It's awesome. I have people that say, Hey, uh, I'm going back. So I, it's, and have have those know, have those messages influenced you in your decision making? No, no, no. Um, I think I knew pretty. I would say the first couple months, I was pretty sure I would never go back. Um, about honestly, about the time I started doing the podcast, I'd been away for a little bit, and you know, just kind of talking shop more. I I just realized how much of a part of me it was, and mm-hmm. kind of got the wheels spinning, and kind of put me, you know, I think at some point I'll go back. I mean, like right now, it doesn't make sense. You know, I got a little kid at home, and you know, he's going to be in dared care and stuff like that, and that's all expensive. So it's, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna enjoy time with my kids that mm-hmm. I didn't have before. You know, I I have the ability to do that. Yeah. Um, I might as well, you know, there, there was a question I posed to my audience six hours ago. Um, and I, people can't, Oh, I think I just deleted something. Um, people can't read. I said, only answer if you left law enforcement, not if you got fired. I said, if you are still on the job or never were on the job, don't answer. Did your quality of life improve when you left the job? 
I didn't word that properly, so it's probably on me. But anyway, the results currently are 18 votes. Yes, my life did improve. My quality of life improved. And four said no. My quality of life did not improve. And I, I, I posed this question to poorly already. Um, talking about myself, I would say yes. I, I talked earlier about the pain and stress. And I have none of those. I haven't been a chiropractor in 11 months. And I feel just fine. You know, I, I'm doing CrossFit and shit like that. Yeah, I've gained weight, but that's that's personal decisions and dealing with stress. Besides that, I, I think my quality of life has improved. I feel like we talked about more present. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I I think maybe it's the time with the kid and the alone time that maybe I personally... I'm maybe a little more critical and have more time to overthink things. So, so again, that could be a me thing. Like I I think my experience with leaving is a lot different than other people where they just, Mm -hmm. they go and they get a different job and then that that's it. Where I I just kind of immerse myself into this culture some more. And then, you know, I stay at home with a two year old who I can't have a conversation with. So (laughs) there's a lot of, I thought he was younger than that. Uh, He just turned two. So, Oh yeah, I was thinking newborn for some reason. Uh, it was newborn two years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that I think anybody that stayed home with kids, you kind of get that. You kind of mm-hmm. go almost start crazy a little bit. But, but with that said, I mean, like overall, like my life's pretty good. I can't complain. I have a roof over my head and I can do whatever I want for the most part. Um, I will say that that's you ever, you ever feel like super constricted under law enforcement policies? Like, I don't want to say like we can like say what we want because I I mean, I still work for an agency, but I feel a lot more free and loose to kind of let, let it hang out almost like, well, I don't have much to let hang out, but (laughs) I mean, um, check out, check out my OnlyFans, but yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I definitely, I think I can say things on the podcast um, that I don't think I would have, and I don't say anything crazy. But I, I still feel like I, I, I don't really have to worry too much about what I say. And I have a lot of freedom on what I say. Mm-hmm. And I think I can ha- have a little more freedom on the meme page to let it fly a little bit. Sure. Because um, I'm not worried about upsetting anybody. But let's be real. If I go back on the job, A, some people, you know, they might look at the podcast and be like, what in the fuck, man? So what the that, fuck is this? Would, if you go through the process of another agency, would you disclose the poorly made stuff? I think I have to. I don't, I don't think that's a question, you know, because I think it, I mean, it's employment, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it's one of those things. If I tried to hide it, I think I'm just going to make it worse. True. I think, I think I could explain away like anything like, Hey, look, it's a meme page. I'm trying to make people laugh, you know, and then and the podcast is, Hey, Hey, look, it's a podcast. People say shit. Mm-hmm. I, um, my, when I was in through the process with this, all they said was give us a list of the social media platforms you are on or have been on. I couldn't remember all of them. So I just did the ones that I was currently on. I said, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube and MySpace. you know, from back in the day. Um, and then you had to sign an agreement saying that I will, uh, log in in front of the background investigator to, um, view my profiles. They never asked for username, domain name, anything like that. So I was, I was ready. And people were even saying, you know, the people at my old agency that knew, 
they're like, oh man, you're going to make like a burner account or something and not tell them about 10.8. I was like, no, man. Cause like what happens if I don't tell them, then they find it, then they put all the screws together. And then what? I'm going to lose my job over this stupid meme page. I, and I said, day one, I'm like, I'm not going to compromise my well being and, and my, you know, paying my bills over this page. I'm just not, I don't, first off, I don't make the money to, to comp, you know, what I would make oh, yeah. as a law enforcement officer. So I was fully ready to do so. I was ready to do whatever and it never came up. But to this day, you know, I'm still on probation for another few months. If they said, Hey man, we heard that uh 10, eight memes is run by you. We have some questions or whatever. Again, I've got to eat before I've got to make memes. So I will, I'll tell them whatever they want. And if they say, Hey, no fly zone. I mean, I may have some retort, you know, some, something to say back at it because, you know, I, I keep it all anonymous on purpose, but at the end of the day, if they say, can it, I'll can it. Well, I mean, you lie, you die. Right. Right. It's, it, to me, it's as simple as that. Or, it's or a, maybe I'll, maybe I'll sell it to you and you can, uh, what am I going to do with that? I already have the greatest meme page on earth. Uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll sell it to somebody who sucks. Like, oh, I'll go to <laughs> um, but that, that, that's it. Um, those are all the questions we had. Um, I think, I think we, I think we kind of hammered home exactly what we needed to get across as far as message is concerned. Yeah, I think so. Um, is there anything you want to add to anybody that either is on the fence about leaving the job that just left the job or someone that's on the job, unhappy, anything you want to add? Let me take it a different direction because I meant to go here on the first one, uh, but it can be kind of related. Be be careful of false idols, mm-hmm. um, especially online. Even me, dude. I don't fucking know everything. I don't know your situation, but but really be like wary of uh, the snake salesman's snake potion, snake oil, snake oil. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> be wary of the snake oil salesman online because. Uh, they may not have your best interest at heart, so no, they probably don't. Be be wary of that. That's something I, I meant to say earlier, but You're I right. think that kind of ties into all of this too. Is you just have to make your own decision about what it's going to be for you. I mean, I think you if you're on the fence about leaving, you know in your heart um, what you want to do. And I got to be honest, like I I can be critical sometimes, but like I'll you know if you're in one of these what I perceive to be God awful shitholes and you're in there and you're serving your community. My fucking hats off to you, man. You're going out there and like doing God's work. You're doing the right fucking thing. Um, I think you're crazy sometimes, but good fucking right. for you. Yeah. Just be careful. I, I mean, I, I talked to a Chicago guy on my podcast and I was shocked, shocked that despite everything going on in Chicago, he's like, no, I got no plans to leave. It was my home. There's, there's some respect in, in that for sure. In uh, in the forgotten episode, the Portland one, that's exactly what my guest said. They said that, you know, it, and this is a person that I saw on their Facebook covered in bear mace from Black Lives Matter protests and having their riot helmet uh, damaged from, you know, whatever was being thrown at them during all the protests saying, I'm not leaving, saying that this is this is my spot. This is these are my people it's it's crazy to hear that or even nypd or you know whatever whatever big uh controversial agency that's out there you're absolutely right 
Yeah, I, I mean, like, I definitely have, like, the, the vantage point and my perception of, of how I see things. But, you know, there's plenty of people that work in these agencies. They don't think the job is dead. They don't, their feeling is the job isn't dead and they can still go out and do the things they need to do. If that's the way you feel, I'm totally have your back. Um, but just be careful. That, that yeah. would be my word. And if you're done and your cup's full and you got nothing else to give, there's no shame in throwing in the towel. Who gives a fuck what anybody else thinks? Because at the end of the day, it's about you. Live right. your own life. Don't let other people live your life for you. Absolutely. I think it, it, it comes down to as long as you can make it work, do it. Um, you know, whatever your personal situation may be. Um, for me, the biggest concern of mine was being able to provide. Um, I'm very old school in that mentality that, you know, I need to provide for my family, even though my girlfriend and I split things down the middle, you know, show grocery shop, all grocery shop bills are paid down the middle. I still need to be able to contribute if not, you know, take the lead on certain things. So that was very important to me to make sure that I could still do that. And like I said, in part one, my chief gave me the opportunity to still, to still work. If, if, um, if it was either be a cop or be unemployed, I would have been a cop until I could find something else, which who knows how long that would have been. So I, I get the guys and the girls that say I can't leave because I got nothing else to do. Like I, you know, I need to feed my family. I get it. And it's a very heart wrenching situation to be in because you know that mentally you're not there, which will make you not safe, which will make you more set up for, terrible things to those people. I say something that poorly said earlier was there are, there are avenues to go. There are options out there, whether it's to change agencies and lateral or, you know, how many cops end up working for Geico or, you know, Axon or something. They use that little bit of expertise that they do have. And they, they use it as an entry level gig into these other corporations. There's You're options. Solver. You're a professional problem solver. Yeah. People there's, are looking for that. There's, there's plenty of options in, in private America to do it. So don't feel your pigeonhole. Don't feel you're stuck. Um, but there, to the people that live, breathe and die law enforcement, there's also greener pastures out there. So it all depends on where you look. Um, I really liked what you just said about the false idols too. Um, you know, I wish I wish I was at the place in my life where I could be a thousand percent transparent. I'm pretty transparent, but I mean, I would offer up all my information regarding the job. I'll tell you the arrests I made. I would, I'll tell you the reports I did, the accolades I got, the the uh, write ups I got, just just so I could be clear and just so people know who they're talking to. And and when when people come into me in sorry when people come into my dms i i tell them flat out like i wasn't a perfect cop i'm not a super cop by any stretch of the imagination i'm a guy who had some success and i had some downfalls and i enjoyed the hell out of it but there's so many people that they they play themselves up as that they were always the super cop they never had any issues they were the best field training officer they were the best whatever you you got to kind of take everything for what it is yeah i there's a rise in this country of uh, narcissism so be wary. Yeah. You never know. I mean, everyone on the internet is the best version of themselves. That's what they, that's what they push through, especially when they're selling something, they're going to be even better. So just keep that in mind. I mean, poorly and I are pretty upfront about who we are and what we do. 
not saying that we're better than anybody, but it, you know, we're, we're pretty straightforward about what we, what we are. Yep. So, uh, we're, we're pretty hypercritical about ourselves for as to a fault, but you know, that's, that's authentic, uh, authenticity. And that's important as well. Also, I'm looking at my patchboard. I found in Iowa, uh, Missouri Valley, Iowa. I don't know where that I is. I don't know where that is. Probably near Missouri though. Apparently it's the crossroads of the nation. That's what it says on the patch. Got you know, that's like what, that's a Midwest thing, right? Where everywhere is the middle of the country. Everywhere has the museum about, you know, where John Wayne grew up. You know, <laughs> it's all bullshit. Right. None of it's true. There, there's a train on the patch. It's, it's actually a pretty nice patch. <laughs> yeah. the I would say the Midwest usually does the patches pretty well. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? That's not fair. I think it just depends on the agency, man. I've seen some really Wait. fucking creative patches. That's got to be in Iowa. That looks like Iowa. Rock County? Is that is that Iowa? I don't. There's like 800 counties here. Now I have to look up Missouri Valley. Let's see where that is. <laughs> see how far away it is from you. Missouri. There's a whole row that's blocked by my future merchandise, so I can't. I can't see around it. Missouri Valley City in Iowa. Oh, look at there. That's actually a place in Harrison County. Um, huh. It's actually not super far. It's like a couple hours. If you yeah. work from Missouri Valley, Iowa, hit us up. Uh, that's that's it. I, th- yeah, I could go through the whole patch collection, but I, I I'm not going to. Um, all right, man. I think Iowa. You got to get an Iowa State Patrol one. It's one of my favorites. Is it? It's corn. Really? Yeah. I gotta look it up. My my favorite that I don't have is uh, Utah State Patrol. Oh, I don't think I have that one either. It's the Beehive. Yeah, I actually, I talk, this is, I can't wait for this podcast. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I, maybe, maybe before this one comes out, I'm not sure, but I talked to a Mormon cop from Utah and it's hmm. pretty good time. Dude, I'm looking at Iowa State Patrol and it's literally just an orange diamond or a yellow diamond. No, it's a corn. It's a piece of corn. Oh, that's a kernel. Yeah, it's a corn kernel. Okay, okay. I see it now. All right. Now that you said that, that's clever. Yeah, it's good. I like it. So I'm, At first I was like, dude, that's super plain. Why are you what are you doing to me here? I don't want to say the name of the town, but the town close That's a big patch me. actually. Wow. So yeah, I see the, I see it on the sleeve. It's huge. That's what she said. Um, dude, speaking of huge, I have my light off now, but What's with the New York, New Jersey state troopers? It's like a, oh no, it's Indiana. Sorry. I thought New Jersey's was pretty big too. Oh yeah. New, New Jersey's a big diamond thing. or a big it's, triangle. It's the golden yeah, it's Dorito. Fun. It's huge, man. It, it's like a slice of pizza on a fucking arm. <laughs> they call it the golden Dorito. Now, Indiana's is bigger. I just want to say, that's what she said also, but <laughs> Indiana's a fucking huge patch. I had to like make room for it. Hold on. Now I got to look that one up. I don't have that one. It's the same. I mean, it's like a piece of pizza on that one too. Big triangle. What do I, I oh yeah, I've got um, Fort Wayne police from Indiana. That's literally an outline of the state. It's like I, it's I don't know. Um, Massachusetts State Police. It's got the di- It's like the triangle. It looks like a slice of pizza, but it's tiny. I don't know if it's just the one that I have, but it, it's very. It it doesn't match up to the other ones on my board. I know. I know. I have that guy. Because there's a trooper that I talk to every once in a while. I cannot. I don't know where that one is. And then what was another? 
Oh, uh, Herndon, Virginia. That's huge. It's a, it's a gigantic patch. It takes up the entire sleeve. Well, uh, your followers, um, if they want to send me patches, DM me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna grift off. There there is some true grifting right there. I'm gonna grift off of your followers and get some more patches. For nice, I like it. I appreciate it. There's um, yeah. man. Now I'm looking at the size. It's there's there's one that you have, and I can recognize it because it looks like mine, but yours is clean. You got a Metropolitan Police DC patch. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like right in the middle of your board. Is it really? Which one? The one. To your right now, you're looking at it to your left. Three, four. Nope, nope. That's your right. That's your left. Yep. Uh, four <laughs> rows. Four rows in. Th- no, sorry. Four columns in. Three rows up. I don't see it. I'm an idiot. This is I, great radio, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I have it. I I have a whole bunch of the DC ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll play with our patches in private. Um. But this concludes our uh, our clown episode. I, uh, I I I really think, uh, you know, actually, I hate to break the news to you, buddy. I was looking at my stats uh, earlier. There was a there was a shift in my analytics. I don't think it was you. No, okay. So you're still my fourth most popular episode. Oh man. Yeah, but then my fifth most popular episode is another episode that you were involved in, which was Drunk Cops three point five. Oh, that one was good. That was a yeah. good one. That's a that was like a two hour episode, three hour episode, four hour episode. It was long. It was a long one. That's what she said. Yeah, not to me, obviously. <laughs> no, no, not to me either. So yeah, so if you guys want to check out other poorly made podcasts on the Ten A podcast, you can listen to number four and number five most popular episode. Uh, I don't think eh, maybe the the drunk cops episode might catch up. It's it's pretty close. Um, you know, it's a damn shame how many early listeners I scared off. So you're um, you're in my top ones. It doesn't give like a top ranking, but so you're episode number five, mm-hmm. and it was pretty popular. My most popular episode by far is my first one, and it is god awful and the worst one. Yeah, and then the first four are like right up there as like being the most popular. And I I was definitely still mastering my craft. I thought I you know what I don't know why, but I thought you said I was definitely still masturbating. No, I was doing that too. But but then if you go down and like kind of start listening, like I would say like if if you're new to my podcast, like the Law Odyssey episode sixteen is a good one. Uh, Fifty nine Pitter Patter. I talked to a Canadian cop is good. So like there's. There's some good ones that are starting to climb the ranks and start push some of these old ones out. But. Yeah, I um for my my top couple, I mean my number one is episode one, but that was Uncle Dennis. I mean that that should, I mean I expected that. Number two is Kenny. Also expected that. Oh yeah, Kenny's good shit. Yeah, and then it's uh, Kenny. He's the high I'm chasing ever since because I went I went to bed the night that it released and then when i woke up in the morning everything shot up i got like over a thousand listens in a day which i i've never been able to i've been chasing that high ever since even like like when i got when i had grady judd on or some or dave grossman i was expecting to wake up and see the exact same thing and i didn't so i'm always chasing that high it's it's the it's my unicorn and then it goes to my episode two and then you twice and then it just kind of goes down from there but um you're going to be back on the show in not too long, actually. No, not long at all. The end of the month, right? Uh, end, of, end, end of uh, end July. of July. Yeah. Uh, so everyone, keep an eye out. So Drunk Cops Summer Jam's coming up. 
Um, and poorly made is going to be one of those unfortunate souls to be drinking with me. I'm so sad about Hoosier, by the way. I want to give a shout out to my my little buddy Hoosier Five O. Yeah, I um, yeah. He he messaged me today, and I realized that when we when we confirmed the day for recording, he never agreed to it. It was just you, uh, me, RJ, and and Nurse Smith. We all agreed, and he never did. And he uh, he's doing he's got some personal stuff going on, so the date doesn't work. And then he's like, with the personal stuff, it's just not working out, which we can talk about later, but. So we're going to find a, another compadre. It's going to be another meme page. I just haven't figured out who it's going to be just yet. So everyone listen up. It's you're going to be. Yeah. The your drunk cop episode is going to be the last episode of the season. Big pressure. Yeah. See, I thought this one was going to be the last. So no, you changed the, things up a little bit. Yeah, no. So I was I was going to do 40 episodes and then I was like, no, I still had a few more guests I had to squeeze in. So it's going to be 45. So you're going to be episode 45, part three and that's gonna I'll, be. i'll make sure it leaves with a bang don't worry it better be i'm hoping on it it's gonna be it might be the last drunk cops i haven't decided yet so it's uh it's all gonna depend on because in in August, i'm excited to have the full invite because when i was on it last time it was like oh somebody dropped off let's get poorly made right and you came in late which by the way when we did the when we did the drunk cops the other night it was uh I had a few come in like mid thing. It was, it was kind of fun that way. Cause half of us were pretty toasted and then people were just getting started. So that was, that was kind of fun, well, which is kind of how you were that time. Cops, angry cops doesn't fall asleep on the couch. I don't think he likes me anymore though. No, <laughs> no I think you're fine. Um, so that'll be fun. I don't know when I, excuse me, switch up next year or October. I don't know if drunk cops will fall in suit and fall in line, but we'll see. Definitely not say no, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, buddy, this was great. I've got to get to bed because I've got work in a few hours. I should but... probably take care of my children. So, Oh, yeah. No, that might help too. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. Everyone knows where to find you. And um, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon, pal. All right, buddy. Everyone listening, stay tuned. We'll be wrapping up in just a second. chemistry and it's something that we all want to see so just give us a 10 p.m podcast 25 percent i'll negotiate down to 20 but you know something here um so i got a little uh little info about what it is that you guys are going to be talking about it's something that 
I actually went through. So I was uh, disgruntled, to say the least, with an agency that I worked at. But the pay was great. Um, I left that agency for a lower-paying one. I also had a decent amount of seniority at the time. Um, it was a medium-sized apartment. I probably had about 20, 25 guys underneath me at that point. So um, order ends weren't as frequent. I wasn't forced to any particular shift that I didn't want to work. Um, but, you know, I needed to start anew. I had all my reasons to do so, but um, ultimately it ended up being worth it in the end despite having to rely on, you know, one, taking a huge pay cut and using the money that I had in a 401k for retirement. Um, was it the smartest idea at the time to have to use that? No, but I also made sure that in there I had enough money to float for a couple months to make sure everything worked out um, just in case because we never know with the way uh, society is. And granted, this was a few years ago um, that... Uh, anything can happen, whether it be an injury and they're like, all right, see ya, or what have you. So um, I would definitely behoove, let me uh, rephrase that, I think it would definitely behoove anyone that's thinking of lateraling despite the monetary differences to take and look at what's actually worth it. Um, your happiness is... Uh, is far, far superior, and everything else will kind of fall into place. Um, so now, at the point that I'm at, everything is better um, all across the board. So I'm making more than I was. I have back to having seniority and et cetera, et cetera, um, and I'm in a much better place, not only just physically but um, emotionally as well. So... And, too, since I have the the soapbox for a minute, I am going to harp on something else. Just because you're disgruntled with your agency doesn't mean that you let it affect the way that you treat people or, or it calls, whether it be the people at home or the people that you're dealing with on the road. Just because of the way that you feel about your agency or people within your agency or politicians, I mean... I'm, I'm a cop, just like anybody else that's most likely listening to the podcast, and I am extremely disgruntled with politicians, but that doesn't mean that I treat the public or my coworkers any differently, um, especially to, on our calls for service. I don't let that taint the way that I see or view the public, um, and I also don't let it affect my home life. Now, granted, just because... I'm, I'm mad about certain policies or procedures and what have you. It doesn't also mean that, you know, the world is necessarily against us, even though sometimes it feels like that. And, again, at the end of the day, the, the more conversations that we have and the more we treat people like people and have these actual conversations and educate them as to what these things mean and what the policies that they potentially even voted for mean, more likely it is that we're going to open our eyes and change the perspective. Um, it, it's not worth it being an asshole and just perpetuating the whole entire reason why people feel or have voted a certain way. Anyways, I'm off my soapbox. Again, 10 p.m. podcast. We want it. See you. All right, guys, that, that completes the episode. Uh, I feel like this one's a really good 
third part in the trilogy with uh, just talking about the... I, I, I got the Robert Peel episode, the Huge Fat Loser episode, and now this one. I feel like it's a good three-parter. Um, those two, and then this one. Talking about just the job. Like, I've seen the profession, and I've seen the people within the profession in just different light now. And, you know, I've wanted to help people for as long as I can remember. That's always been my thing. I like cheering people up. I like making people happy and helping people. You know, I was one of those kids growing up that when my friends had issues, I would be the one that I, you know, I'd want to help them. And, you know, I tried doing it to the greater society and one reason or another didn't pan out. But now as I look at everything, I realize that I want to make sure that the people that are putting their lives on the line are good. And, you know, maybe I had to experience it for myself. Maybe I had to, you know, sit in the cop car for six years. Now I'm sitting at the dispatch console um, to get the true perspective, you know, maybe because now, now I'm going to school for psychology and to be a counselor and, you know, I wouldn't be able to relate to these people that same way. And I don't think I would get the same drive or need to help out to the general public mentally. Like, yeah, obviously I want, want to help people, but there's a different connection and a different familiar reality to law enforcement and first responders. So that being said, I hope the one thing that I don't want all these different episodes to, to sound like is me telling people get out of the job. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying focus on what's making you happy and unhappy and go from there. I think law enforcement is the most important thing One of the most important things out there. You need to have laws in a civilized society. I don't care what, you know, woke people want to say. You need you need laws and you need people to enforce the laws. If you don't have that, you don't have a civilized society. I'm sorry. It'll be Lord of the Flies and we're going to be screwed. So that being said, who helps who protects the protectors? So, I mean, that's that's what I want to make sure I want to make sure because I was that guy. I was the guy pouring out of an empty cup. I was the guy burning the candle at both ends. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Burnout's real mental health anguish that comes from burnout and stress and traumatic incidents. It's all real. So what these episodes to me mean is not get out of the job. If you're still driven to serve, good. We need people like you. We need you. But don't stay in a spot that makes you mentally not well. To that, or It's holding your family hostage, holding you hostage. Just keep that in mind. Again, me, poorly made, we're not going to be the ones to uh, answer those questions for you. That's all you. You need to make that decision. You need to talk to your family, talk to your loved ones, figure out what is right for you. But I really hope that episodes like these give you that perspective. That being said, guys, that does conclude our episode today. I want to give a special thanks to my buddy Mike for giving me his two cents on the topic. I think that was a really nice little end cap. The music for today's episode, we had the 10-8 theme song by my buddy... We got thunderstorm. We got a Florida thunderstorm going out here, boys and girls. It is lovely. I'm about to hit the bed. Uh, I rescheduled an interview for next week. Just because I want to sleep during this thunderstorm. Anyway, and I'm exhausted too. So we had that song by my buddy Brian from Seconds to Stay. Uh, 
Then we had The Lonely Island with I'm on a boat because I need to get hype when I'm talking to my boy Poorly Made. Then we had Blink-182's song Natives, which is probably their best song on that uh, Neighborhoods album. And we're going to wrap it up with a Real Big Fish song called Average Man. You probably never heard it before. It was a B-side. So it's one of my favorite songs by them, actually. So all that being said, next week we've got the Stoic Sentinel on, and we're going to talk about Stoicism. I'm actually working on an hour-long talk. It's going to be called... It may be called a lesson in stoicism or a study in stoicism. I haven't figured it out, but it's talking about integrating stoicism into law enforcement. Y'all hear that? <laughs> anyway, so I'm working on that. I'm also working on my uh, my code four check, which is going to be my mental health class, which will be a day long, eight hour course. And um, I got some other stuff going on, guys. I got I got some plans for for some money making things that'll really affect, like. My inner circle, uh, you know, like if you live around me, which not many do. But anyway, lots to come from 10-8 in the near future. We've got, uh, after today, we've got five more episodes. Like I said, we've got the we've got the Drunk Cop Summer Jam coming up in August. We've got a full slate of episodes in July. So please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Tell everyone you know, 10-8 Podcast and 10-8 underscore memes on Instagram. We're at 10-8 memes on Facebook as well. And, uh, yeah, guys, we got some merch, 10-8-memes.ecwid.com. That's where you get some T-shirts. That's where you get some cups and all this other stuff. Check it all out, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for poorly made police memes hanging out with me, talking to me for four hours one night, and dealing with me being late twice, dealing with family stuff, dealing with the dog. Uh, really, I appreciate you, buddy. Mike, thanks again. Everyone, take care of each other. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. 10-8, out! <laughs>